plots of land and the starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Let me ride through the wide open country that I love. Don't fence me in. Let me be by myself in the evening breeze. Listen to the murmur of the cottonwood trees. Send me off forever, but I ask you please. Don't fence me in. Don't fence me in. Just turn me loose. Let me straddle my own saddle underneath the western skies. On my guise, let me wander over yonder till I see the mountains rise. I want to ride to the ridge where the west commences. Gaze at the moon until I lose my senses. I can't look at hobbles and I can't stand fences. Don't fence me in. Don't fence me in. President Trump wowing the troops. Man, it was a good one, too. He was uh, definitely on a roll. Let's put it that way. Uh, The president was definitely on a roll and definitely there for handsome Ted Cruz, as he called him. It's funny. I, I love how this whole idea that President Trump could possibly still be... Stumping for Ted Cruz after all the animus during the election. I love how that's so confounding to the journalists who, I guess, are just not normal, average, everyday people who can kind of get over things. And certainly the men in the media aren't men, so they don't understand even the concept of uh, having disagreements and being able to get past them. They're all about bitterness and revenge and hanging on to grudges. They're just such babies and so immature, so that's kind of what you're going to get from them. And yeah, it's possible that people can actually 
have differences and go after each other and and then in the end wind up uh, friends or wind up supporting each other or at least wind up having some kind of utilitarian relationship, which is what Ted Cruz and Donald Trump do indeed have. They have a relationship that is uh, built on, hey, let's get the job done for America. Let's get the job done for conservatives. Let's get the job done for common sense. And uh, let's work together. That's how it's going to roll. And they have. And Ted Cruz has been great uh, to him in the U.S. Senate, has disagreed with him when he feels like he disagrees with him. And uh, President Trump has uh, done the same, cajoled Ted Cruz, asked him to help him, all those kinds of things. And that's wound up being a uh, big deal down there in Texas. The Senate race still is confounding to me, only from the standpoint, I, I just. I don't get the attraction to this Beto O'Rourke guy. And, you know, it's just, it, it, it's, is it every time just some white guy in his 30s runs that he's suddenly Robert Kennedy? I just don't understand. Well, when he's a Democrat, at least. I don't understand that whole concept of uh, Beto O'Rourke being the great white hope for the Democratic Party. Very odd. And the guy doesn't have a whole lot of. I don't know, pizzazz. He doesn't have a whole lot going for him. And yet every time you turn around, they're calling him a rock star and they're saying he's the the, the, the second coming and they, they love the guy. I, I just don't, I don't get it. In fact, the networks were uh, all over, all over him over the past day or so cheering him on. Uh, you know, it's, uh, but, you know, I mean, obviously they don't want Ted Cruz there anymore. I get it. But, Lord, you don't have to be, you can be so obvious about it. But My all goodness those gracious. insults took a toll. The Houston Chronicle endorsed O'Rourke Friday, despite backing Cruz in 2012. The paper cited O'Rourke's command of issues that matter to this state and faulted Cruz's, quote, repellent personality. O'Rourke's personality and his refusal to move to the right have made him a progressive icon. The two now unlikely... I thought you had to really, you know, to, to be, in order to become an icon, I thought you had to be something first. I mean, I, I don't understand how he's become, how you become an icon. And I understand he's he's attractive to, he's energized the Democrats, that's for sure. But I still can't believe Texas would turn out Ted Cruz. I mean, send him packing. It doesn't doesn't make any sense. Fighting to hold on to power in Washington, with Mr. Cruz trying to fend off a tough challenge from Democratic upstart Beto O'Rourke. He's dishonest. It's why the president called him (laughs) lying Ted, and it's why the nickname stuck because it's true. With early voting already underway, Texans say they're energized. Cruz is banking on Trump to rev up the Republican base because his rival, Congressman Beto (laughs) O'Rourke. Yeah, they love. So this is all just examples of uh, the kind of love that they uh, get on a regular basis down there in Texas. The Democrats do. I don't. I just don't get what Beto O'Rourke really ultimately stands for, or or what he's going to do. President Trump went after him last night in this uh, awesome rally where he took him on, and it was uh, an amazing one. It was huge. First of all, the lines were as usual right around. The corner, there were thousands of people there, and it was a typical Trump rally. And keep in mind, he's getting these kinds of numbers still, people. This is two years into his term. I haven't seen any president coming out in recent history who's come out to this kind of crowd. It's, it's amazing. 
And the idea that somehow the networks can decide that, oh, yeah, for sure, Trump's going to go south, his approval rating as of yesterday reached close to 50, which is still pretty amazing considering how 99% of the media coverage is negative against him. But he took on uh, O'Rourke last night at this rally. It was, a, it was an awesome sight to behold. His opponent in this race is a stone-cold phony named Robert Francis O'Rourke. Sometimes referred to as Beto. <laughs> and he pretends to be a moderate, but he's the, uh, actually erratic. He pretends to be a moderate. When President Trump did the uh, Beto thing, sometimes he's called Beto. And he just had this major league eye roll. It was pretty funny. It was pretty cool to see. And it was typical President Trump. He's so flip and and so wondrously casual when he does these kinds of things. I just – I can't get enough of watching these these Trump rallies. The guy is like the, the biggest riffer on the planet and extemporaneous and it is pretty funny. But he, he definitely did not give him any love on the whole uh, Beto nickname. And he pretends to be a moderate. <laughs> he, 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 okay, so if you guys are watching on the, on the monitor there, and when we do the, when we do the Radio Free Almond 2.0, I will, uh, I'll have a monitor that you guys can see, but he, he says sometimes, and, and here he watched the body, he goes, sometimes they call him Beto, and then everybody's like, whoa, boo. He's like, Shakes his head like, I can't believe he's called Beto. It's very, very funny because everybody else is like, Beto's such a cool name. And Trump was like, he'll have, he'll have none of that. Referred to as Beto. <laughs> and he pretends to be a moderate, <laughs> but he's actually a radical, open borders, left winger. That's what he is. <laughs> and I know Texas well. Yeah, I mean, and, and he does know Texas well. How could you possibly vote? How could Texas possibly vote for Beto O'Rourke? It doesn't make any sense. But, I mean, I guess there's a possibility uh, they could. I guess there's there's a strong possibility that that could happen. But I got to tell you, President Trump, Pierce Morgan even tweeted out yesterday. He goes, you know, love him or hate him, Trump's rallies are bloody entertaining to watch. Incredibly effective, too. This huge Texas crowd is lapping him up. They love him just as much as New York, L.A. liberals hate him, and and that's absolutely true. Here he talked about the caravan, which, you know, he's been been very good about calling BS on this now 7,000-strong caravan, which, by the way, the news media, uh, the national news media, they're really looking forward to having this thing um, blow up. They're, they're looking they, – they, they're almost willing some kind of – some kind of confrontation at the tail end of this. Uh, and, and, and obviously you, you see the timing of this. You see how this thing is – they're creeping towards the border. And believe me, it's going to be three days, four days, that weekend before the election when this whole thing blows up. I mean, you know, you know what's going to happen here, right? You know this is just simply an add water and you've got a riot type of situation here. As soon as these people are told they're not coming in, 
as soon as the military is down there at the border, you know there's going to be trouble. And, and you know there are people within this group who exactly want that. And I wouldn't be surprised if the laughter, somebody in some kind of organized fashion, just simply dumped about two dozen people in there whose sole goal is to be radical and insurgent and violent. It wouldn't surprise me a bit. What do you think is going to happen with 7,000 of these people? We don't even know who these people are. 7,000 of them. Where in the hell do these people come from? It's kind of like it's gone the way of the uh, of the Christine Ford polygraph test. Oh, yeah, she took a polygraph test. We're like, what polygraph test? Who gave it to her? What questions did they ask her? Where did this come from? Walgreens? What is it? And suddenly the media is like, yeah, this caravan. We're like, what caravan? 7,000. Yeah, 7,000 people. Who are they? Where did they come from? What the hell's going on here? How do they keep on piling on 1,000 here, 2,000 there? How is this happening? Nobody's asking. Nobody's wondering what the hell's going on here. This is not organic. This doesn't make any sense to anybody. We don't know where these people are truly coming from. We know they're coming from Central America and South America, but we don't know anything about these people. You know, half the time it's just one big aerial shot of them and we don't know who the hell these people are. President Trump deciding he's going to uh, put a little conjecture ring out there about who they might be. And they lo and behold, to vote. they want to be able to vote. They want to be able to vote. Oh, don't worry about it. They want to be able to vote. The illegals. Hey, by the way, I hate to tell you, you go to California, you go, they vote anyway. They vote anyway, and they're not supposed to. And every time I say it, the fake news says, oh, they said, they got so many people voting illegally in this country. It's a disgrace, okay? It's a disgrace. Voter ID, folks, voter ID. Yeah, he's, he's, this guy is not going to let these people in to this country the way they think they're going to be let in. And by the way, I'd love to have them team across the border, and then we just what are we are we going to distribute it to them to the homes of uh, Beto O'Rourke and the rest of the gang who are promoting this whole thing? This is going to be a disaster, but I have a feeling, as usual, it's going to wind up being a disaster for the left. Even as Kaysen kind of predicted yesterday, that this is not going to go well, and unfortunately, the 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 left. And those folks always think things are going to wind up great for them. And they, they, they can't – they ruin a wet dream for crying out loud. This is how incompetent these people are. So he uh, talked about not only what their designs are and, of course, the, the, the Democrats. And, and I do believe this. The Democrats would love to register these folks the minute they cross the border. Here, register to vote. It's like they'd love that. The President Trump – knows, and I think you can tell, there are some pretty bad people among this group of of individuals. There might be some good people in there. In fact, I think there are probably a lot of really good people in there. Central Americans and South Americans are are very decent people, as are Mexicans. You know, they're all, you know, many of them hardworking people. I, I, I get this, but that doesn't allow you passage to 
this country. And later on, when Judge Napolitano's on, we're kind of going to go through a little bit of what the situation is regarding asylum and how that works. And uh, Carafano might hit on it a little bit too because I really don't understand. I always thought you had to go to your consulates in order to get asylum. I didn't know you could just simply knock on somebody's door and you're in. So we'll follow up on that. President Trump last night on who's in here. A large group of people. They call it a caravan. (laughs) It's like they're... These people are booing a caravan. It's pretty funny because here's the deal, because everybody is very suspicious of what this thing is. They really don't know what this is. And so therefore, it doesn't look natural to most normal Americans. But most normal Americans look at this thing and are going, where in the hell did these people all come from? What is this? They look like they just left a World Cup game. It doesn't make any sense. They don't even look, they, they barely even look downtrodden. And there, are, and there are a lot of perfectly regular healthy males among them as well. And we're like, what is this? It, you know, it looks like the kind of groups that come over the border in Germany. Angela Merkel lets these people in by the hundreds when they cross over, They're usually from North Africa and beyond. But most normal, they're booing a caravan because we don't trust this thing. This doesn't look right. This doesn't look remotely uh, organic. It doesn't look like it just popped out of nowhere. We don't know where these people are coming from. What do they, what do they have? All, all, they all find some kind of website? Was there some kind of announcement made? about where everybody was going to gather, or it doesn't look right. And so, yeah, of course you're going to get people booing a caravan. Well, they call it a caravan. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny, too, when he says, uh, yeah, they call it a caravan. They're like, boo! (laughs) Oh, man, come on. You got to love this stuff. Do you know how the caravan... Started. Does everybody know what this means? Huh? No, yeah, right. So he's out there. <laughs> he says, uh, everybody know how the caravan started? And he's, and he's mimicking shelling out dollar bills or whatever they might be shelling out there monetarily. He's like, yeah, you know how the caravan started? And he's, he's <laughs> using the, the uh, paper money kind of here, 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 here. It's pretty funny. You got to admit, these, these damn rallies are great. Do you know how the caravan started? Does everybody know what this means? I think the Democrats had something to do with it. And now they're saying, I think we made a big mistake because people are seeing how bad it is. I don't know. I don't know whether the Democrats really had anything to do with it. I don't know what the the goal might be. But I, I know for sure they think that this is money. Now, Kaysen probably is the more wise, believe it or not, among some of the folks on the left to know that this this doesn't look like it's going to really work out as well as the unicorn lovers always think it's going to work out. Oh, yeah, this is going to be great. They're going to come to the border. Uh, we can call Trump a racist and uh, tell everybody right around the midterms what a bunch of xenophobic racists they are. I mean, is it, is, does anybody doubt 
the timing of this? Does anybody doubt that the timing of this is timed directly for the midterm elections? Has it, has it occurred to everybody by now? Is everybody on board now with the fact that this thing is as phony as the day is long? This is a setup job? And does anybody believe it's going to, not even Kaysen believes this is going to work out well? But the problem is we can't control the outcome of this story. Only the media controls the outcome of this story. And if you want to know how the media is hoping the story ends... And I guarantee you, they hope this story ends. They hope that there's violence. I'm not saying that I'm that much of a cynic, but I guarantee you, there are people in the news media, and I guarantee you there are people, even in the Democratic Party, who hopes somebody gets shot. I am not kidding you. Because that will inflame the passions. It will become another uh, Ohio State It'll become another one of those four dead. They're, gonna, they're trying to make this out to be another kind of 60s rally there at the border in, in, of the U.S. That's what this is all about. And I, again, I have no question that there are decent people among these people. All right, fine, whatever. But, but the reality is this is most of these people seem to be right out of central casting. This is all a setup. And I, I, I believe President Trump when, when he conjectures that these, some, some of these people have been paid. Again, look at the march up. And we're right now in October uh, 23rd. I mean, you know, we're, we're getting towards that time. This has another, you know, we have another 14 days or whatever it is. But, but this is going to be a thing right towards the doorstep of midterm elections i guarantee you and and how is the media hoping and willing this is going to end well look at look at chris cuomo look at what he has to say about it but look it's not about whether you're going to have the right to do it that's why i waved away the idea about domestic law enforcement rick if you put military down there we know what the god forbid is in this situation and then how does it play yeah we know what the god you put the military down there because that's the military's job to protect the interests of this country as it relates to our national defense. And this is a national defense issue. This is a sovereignty issue. This is exactly what the military is there for. And so somehow the very existence of them, these are the same people who didn't like the National Guard at, in Ferguson. The, 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 this, this, they didn't even want the police to wear tactical uniforms as people were throwing firebombs at them because everybody believes that anything related to the military or law enforcement is some kind of menace and everybody else is instantly at water a victim. How is that good for anybody if because, you know, it's, you're not going to turn away thousands and thousands of people, even if people start getting shot. Oh, and- Lord. That, I, I'm telling you, this is what their this, this is what their little fantasy is. That they want they want a riot down there, and you know what? There will be a riot down there, and it's just a matter of how it's going to be contained. This is a complete and total trick bag for the United States and for the Trump administration. This is this is a complete. We're going to talk to Carafano about just a few minutes, but you can see what's going through the minds of 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 Cuomo there. 
Yeah, but what if somebody gets shot? Message does that send? Who wins in that? Well, I hope no one gets shot, as you all know. But the reality is this thing is fraught with danger. And the administration and the military, they have to be careful to not play into the hands of these people because somebody there, there are people within this group who are, that's their job, to agitate and provoke. This is, this is not going to be your innocent little mommy-carrying baby caravan by the time this is all ending. This is not going to be that. And, and this will be another big-ass blow-up that the Trump administration will be accused of being xenophobic and racist and everything else. This will be used by the news media against Republicans up against the midterms. Pathetic it is how bad our laws are. They made a big mistake. So as the caravan, and, and look, that is an assault on our country. That's an assault. And in that caravan, you have some very bad people. You have some very bad people. And we can't let that happen to our country, and it's not. And I was just talking to your great governor and senators, and you were talking about your attorney general, who I'm going to be introducing in a second, but I'm talking to a lot of your people, and they're going to form a wall, different kind of a wall, until we get the other one built. We need a wall built fast, fast. We have to protect our borders. We don't have borders. We don't have a country. He is so right about that. And that's what the face-off's going to be down at the border there in Texas. I don't know what their timeline is for getting here. I don't know what the timeline is for finally knocking on the door. I do know one of the, one of the more entertaining uh, parts of this thing was was uh, and this this drove everybody nuts is was when President Trump said he's a nationalist. Thank God somebody I I've been saying this for heaven knows how long. What the hell's wrong with being a nationalist? I guess when they add white to it, it becomes you know oh now suddenly you're a Nazi. But I've said all along that uh, it seems to me that there there doesn't seem to be anything wrong with being a nationalist. Why, why what's wrong with having pride in your country and putting your country's interests first. Everybody else does it. I mean, hell, again, I'll reference the World Cup again. Go, go, to, the, go, go to a World Cup game and see everybody waving their flags. They, they love their countries everywhere else, but here, apparently, you're not supposed to. President Trump's like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a nationalist. That's right. Check me you out. Know, they have a word. It sort of became old-fashioned. It's called a nationalist. And I say, really, we're not supposed to use that word. You know what I am? I'm a nationalist, okay? I'm a nationalist. <laughs> good for him. That's good. Nationalist. Use that word, right? I have a word. You use that word. And you know what? When they showed the crowd there, there's a crowd of clearly a, a mixed crowd of Hispanics and blacks and whites. Everybody's standing there applauding the fact that they are uh, – that, that, that word right there, nationalist. It's not a bad word. It's not a bad thing to be a, a supporter of, of your country. It just isn't. But it, up until now, it seems like uh, it has been something – it's been a crime to become a to, – to be a nationalist. But I'm, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Speaking of nationalism, 
I'm gonna grab our national anthem here, and then I'm gonna then I'm gonna grab uh, the uh, uh, this Skype, and I'm gonna get a hold of uh, I'm gonna get a hold of Jimmy Talon. How does that sound? I didn't type that in properly. Hang on a second here. Here we go. Oh. I'll tell you what, iTunes. It's it's funny how Apple will uh, complete every damn word on the planet in your in your uh, in your iPhone. You know when you put you, you can't. Or or they'll prevent you from using the F word or they'll just complete words for you. But heaven forbid you get one letter wrong in your iTunes library. Oh, no, we don't have it. If you put National Anthem, then, then they're just not going to let you in. They won't, they won't complete the word for you. They won't help you out there at old Apple, will they now? And you know what? We're going to use the American Armed Forces Band, too. So we're not only nationalists, we're militarists, too, because we like those guys, too, because they're going to be standing at, they're going to be standing between border security and sovereignty and an invasion in the coming days. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, our national anthem. Wait, the Fed has raised interest rates. That means your minimum credit card payments are going up. Don't let that happen to you. This is James Hawkins of Golden Oak Lending. Now's the time to consolidate your debt. Home values are up, and you can use the smart cash in your home to pay off debt or get rid of expensive PMI. Smart cash is the difference between what you owe and the new value of your home. And Golden Oak still has fixed rates in the threes. Call 567-GOLD. NMLS 1149-37. of different kind of dances that the caravan can do as it's, uh, as it approaches the border. We, we, we had the safety dances. So. What, I, what I do. Yesterday, the safety dance, but I didn't see any midgets in that crowd, so it'd be hard to pull off the uh, safety dance. So I'm thinking maybe they could do the electric slide as they head towards the... Uh, 50 cows. Oh, I'm kidding. You're going to use 50 cows? Come on. 
supposed to use 50 cows on people necessarily. I'm not saying we should shoot them. I'm not, I'm just, you know. You'd hope not. Trying to add some levity to this invasion. Maybe they could... Uh, what are those things called? Oh, the flash mob dances. Or, you know, what they could do is before they get to the border, they could all just uh, put on, like, mime makeup and just not say anything. and just mime everything. It would be, it'd be intimidating. They could do the Macarena. Hey, Macarena. Let me see if I can find that one. I can see that happening. You see, this, this way they wouldn't be very intimidating. They all just kind of do the... In fact, they might even get everybody on the Texas border there to join them. I got a call. Call Jimmy. So while the news media, you know, fantasizes about the... U.S. government gunning everybody down a la Ohio State. I'm envisioning just people dancing and it being a festival of love. Is this how Macarena goes or is this like the original version of the Macarena? I like the 1930s version of the Macarena here. Jim Carafano. Good morning this morning, Jim Carafano. How are you? Good. How are you, my friend? I'm doing fine. I'm just uh, kind of conjecturing on how this whole caravan thing is going to wind up going. I am very confused by it. I don't know what this is. Like, where did everybody come from and, and what is going on? Are you all... In Washington, D.C., and who have studied immigration and all that kind of stuff, are you all as confounded as I am, or what is no. this? <laughs> so, uh, first of all, this is uh, uh, President Barack Obama's last thank you. Um, but uh, if you want to go unravel this, because you know we haven't seen this before. I mean, we haven't seen organized threats to the border lists like since the Pancho Villa raids at the turn of the century, turn of the last century. So what's going on here? Well, it's, it's the culmination of really a couple of things. One is the Obama administration's policy of pretending to care about border security and enforcing immigration law. When what they really wanted to is attract as many illegal immigrants as possible to make the challenge of illegal immigration so overwhelming that you could do nothing other than grant a general amnesty and create millions of new Democratic voters. And then that was linked to really some activism in the courts, which has really constrained the administration on how they can detain people. And what that has done between the combination of those two things is over about a decade, 
has actually created massive incentives to illegally emigrate to the United States, where the United States actually outlined how to beat the system, organize a family, claim refugee status, um, and we'll let you in. Then once you're in, we'll probably never deport you again and make um, catch and release the preferred method so people are just get to go inside the United States and really constrain our ability to turn back people at the border. So that's part one, which is this massive magnet where essentially instead of controlling the border, we spent eight years under President Barack Obama encouraging people to try to breach the border. And add to that, and, and uh, you know, who's behind the organization of this? Because this wouldn't happen without, first of all, people wouldn't come here, they wouldn't agree to march here if they didn't think they could get in. But somebody has to organize them, provide water, provide these buses and everything else. Yeah. And, um, you know, I hear conflicting, and I'm an analyst, you know me, I'm not going to say something if I don't know right. that it's true. Right. But there is plenty of... Uh, Conjecture, not just conjecture. There's plenty of, of anecdotal reporting and claims about the the many organizers that could be on that be behind this. And what they want to do is is embarrass the administration, demonstrate that American borders are open, and really drive American immigration policy. And let me put this in perspective. Let's say there's seven thousand people in this caravan. Okay, there are like. 125,000 people in the Cuban boat lift. So we've had mass migration challenges way bigger than this. There was like 100,000 people that came after the Vietnam War. In comparison to a real problem, in 2015, the Europeans had like a million people walking a year. So from a mass migration crisis, 7,000 people showing up at the border is not doomsday. But what it does do is create a precedent because if anybody thinks this will be the last one, they're totally wrong. Uh, and this essentially, uh, sorry for going on, but no, I want to hear more. This is, this is what happens when you create an open border policy. This is what you get. And it doesn't end here. There are millions of people that are going to leave Venezuela. There, uh, many of them already have, they've gone to Brazil. They've gone to Venezuela. Um, th- they will drive a wave of migration that ends up here. So, Look, this, I don't know why we call it immigration, because it's not really people lawfully immigrating here. But if, if you like the idea of millions of people just going and living wherever they want, like a horde, then if we don't do something, that's exactly what we're going to get. Well, and, and Jimmy, this is what's confusing to me is, is that, you know, we at a time when actually the border crossings have been reduced, that there has been a level of self-deportation going on. The president has been very clear regarding getting tougher on uh, his immigration policy. And yet suddenly you have this idea among 7,000 people that they can just walk through here. So as you point out earlier, somebody has had to inorganically kind of promote this idea because if, if, a, if a person from, uh, from Honduras just had to size things up on their own, they would not make this trip because of what has clearly been a pretty tough message coming from the U.S. So somebody's had to kind of uh, speed this along and give this a little gas, right? So, so we, know, we know the cartels are involved. Because the Department of Homeland Security has reported that. So 
So we know that that's true, that organized crime is helping this. Great. We know that there are left-wing politicians in Latin America who are supporting that project. We know that because the State Department's told us that. Now, who else is behind this and contributing to this? Lots of speculation. We'll see. Part of the thing is, like, why didn't we know this was coming? With all the law enforcement intelligence that we have, why didn't we know that somebody was doing this, and why weren't we proactively out there trying to interdict it before it happened? And I don't think there's any question that this is time to, you know, embarrass the administration and the rough election. But, you know, again, I do policy, not politics, so what right. do I know? But right. it does seem to me that, broadly speaking, what we have here is a backlash where it's actually strengthened the president's hand on this. And we have a couple of pieces for evidence for that. It's one is all the, the um, cries and left about abolish ICE and everything else, th- that's evaporated, right? I mean, they've been very, very quiet on this issue. They've said almost nothing about the border um, because it's actually been, I think, a mobilizing thing for yeah, well, um, the president's supporters. Yeah, I I agree. It's interesting because some of the this is that's kind of what some on the left have feared. They everything they've been trying in terms of trying to embarrass the president or embarrass Republicans, uh, right down to Kavanaugh and beyond has has backfired on him. And this doesn't seem to be any exception. Even the Washington Post is reporting that there are now illegal aliens who have been deported from the U.S. before. Among this group of individuals, they even focused on one guy with a name who's been deported from the U.S. six times and has re- and has rejoined this group, saying, "Well, it's time to go back now." So, yeah, you know, you know, and, you know, and there was reporting. Oh, there, there's ISIS terrorists in there, and people say, "Oh, well, that's just fatuous." How do we know that? And you know what? I, I don't know, and, yeah. but because there's seven thousand people, but that's the point. You have no idea. Who, I mean, who could be in this group here? Uh, Okay, somebody identified a criminal that's coming back, or you know, people that have been previously deported. I mean, there could be every imaginable thing in there. And of course, it's what the left does is they they go find you know some mother and a baby, right? Yeah, right. And and these guys are not stupid. I mean, they are. And and when the when the the when the mob rolls up to the front, who's in front? It's it's never the six thousand five hundred young men. It's the five hundred women with children. Right and 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 again, I go back. To, first of all, this is a uh, this is a human this is a human rights crisis because literally you're putting hundreds of thousands of people on the run, putting their lives at risk for somebody's political agenda, and that's wrong. Uh, I mean, there's so many ways that this is just this this just was wrong. This is just a great step backwards uh, for everybody on both sides of the debate. And uh, but I think the administration. You know, it's got to deal with it. So um, people talk about military on the border. Nobody really, we're shutting the border down. Nobody really understands, knows what that means. Um, so the, mili- the, 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 the the U.S. military under most conditions is prohibited from doing uh, law enforcement. So um, it is, even even if you put them on the, they're not going to arrest people on the border. Um, they're also not going to shoot people. You know, so uh, somebody had a Twitter thing. that says, should we shoot people trying to cross the border? Um, there is no legal, there's no legal authority that would allow you to shoot at people. Right. Right. Um, to, to use deadly force. It's right. just, no. that's just not 
in the cards. Right. I mean, the only the only way the US, any any military law enforcement anybody could use an arm at the border is in uh, was in self defense. If somebody was shooting at them, that you know, they, obviously they could shoot back, right? But you know, that's that's kind of about it. So, so I think there's a lot of kind of. Um, Mis- misunderstanding of what could actually be accomplished. Um, could we actually shut the border down? Yeah, we could close the border crossings. Um, that would have enormous negative impact on Mexico. And I think it's the last thing that the Mexicans um, would want. But the other thing you have to remember is, is these are people that are not going to come up and storm the fence. These are people going to come up and they're going to walk up and make a, a refugee claim. And that refugee claim is going to be, be processed according to the way the court, Ninth Circuit Court in California has decided that it should be, pro- uh, which is designed to let people in, let them keep families together, and then release them into America as soon as possible. Right, and give them a court date or something? Right, it's called, uh, the reason why they call it catch and release is you catch somebody, you release them, and you give them a court date. Yeah, they never and show they're up. Likely to sh- well, no, but they will show up. Oh, they they'll show up for every they'll show up for every hearing except the one where they're ordered to be deported. They won't show up for that one. Oh, right? I see. And then, right. go, and then good, you know, good luck going and finding them. Yeah, so. right. I mean, and and that's the thing that you mentioned shutting down the border now, and then you mentioned the cartels. Uh, but it's my understanding that in 1985, after the cartels had killed DEH and Kiki Camarada. Uh, in 1985, Ronald Reagan shut the border down completely, correct? Um, yeah, I mean, you can actually close the border crossings. You, you can do that, and it, and it would send a strong signal. And I, I wouldn't you know, put it past this president to do that. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And I'm glad you mentioned the other aspect of this uh, regarding the humanitarian level, because I think it's one thing people forget about even illegal immigration and those who promote it and those who promote even sanctuary cities is, to me, it, there's an amorality to it uh, in, in creating purposely a subculture of people who really wind up here, but really largely unprotected because they're kind of they are living in the shadows. They're afraid to call the police uh, if something happens to them because uh, they're here illegally. And so you have this whole group of people who might be tethered to this country by a paycheck or of some sort, but really are not part of this country. And I'm not quite sure what kind of. Uh, social moral structure about that that's defensible i just don't see and so in many ways those of us who are not happy about this we don't have to just make it about these people being terrible invaders uh we're actually kind of in an odd way looking out for them more than some of the other people are and it's it's actually worse than that because when you create a sanctuary city basically what you're doing is putting out a sign for criminals and saying, Hey, if you're an illegal person and you want to be a criminal, come here because we will make sure that the federal government would never track you down. And then when you get there, who are you going to prey on? The answer is you're going to start by preying on other people in the city who are illegal and the most vulnerable. So you're actually creating crime scenes. It's, it really is unconscionable. And so here's their answer to all that. Well, that's fine because in the end we just want to make them all citizens and then they'll be fine. But then the problem with that is, okay, you, you know, legalize whatever, 13 million, 15 million. All you're doing is incentivizing the next 15 million. And what are you going to do when they show up? Well, we're going to legalize them. You know, 
at some point, it just gets ridiculous. And you take the logical extension of this, and there are some people that don't have a problem with that because they say, you know, eventually what we really want is we just want one world government. We want no borders, right? And and we want people, and that way it, it doesn't matter where people live or who they live. And, and everybody will be treated equally, you know, and essentially we'll, we'll realize Stalin's dream. I mean, I don't, I don't mean to be overly dramatic, yeah, right. but that's what we're trying to, that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to realize the dream of Stalin and Levin, um, and having one world order and no borders. And we're all just the, the giant mass, you know, working class, uh, and we have no masters and we live in this utop- socialist, you know, communist utopia. I mean, because that's the logical extension of where this is going, right? It's, it's not being, you know, taking care of some poor people. It's using poor, poor defenseless people to drive a global agenda. And that's really what it's all about for some people. Yeah, I, I, true. And and I I think these people, unfortunately just do become, uh, pawns. It's not even a cliche anymore. They actually are indeed, uh, pawns. Now these people right now, uh, so they're a thousand miles away. So at this, at this level here. So, you know, it's funny how the timing of this is so odd that I think right. that they'll be here right about the time of the midterms. You think? Shocker there. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just, uh, just uh, unbelievable. I, I just, uh, it doesn't make any, uh, it doesn't make uh, any sense. Now, uh, keep in mind too, that I guess there is a possibility that uh, that these people are fleeing violence. I mean, if you go to Honduras, it's one of the most violent uh, places on earth. And, and so I guess there's a possibility some of these people are earnestly wanting to get the hell out of there. But well, wouldn't they normally like, go to a consulate or something and, and check in there and say, I want to get out of here? Well, two things. One is um, it's called credible fear. Right, that's the standard for it, and and you have to demonstrate credible fear. It can't just be my country is poor. There are a lot of gangs running around. Right, you have to personally be able to demonstrate a credible fear that you are a legitimate refugee. That's a pretty high standard. The second thing is um, the way international law works is you are allowed to claim refugee status in the first safe harbor. So, in other words, the first country that you get in which doesn't have those conditions, you can claim refugee status there. It, it doesn't allow you to refugee shop to go anywhere else in the world, you know, anywhere else you want. So in theory, a legitimate refugee can claim refugee status in Mexico. There's no reason why we should legitimately have to let somebody into the United States who is anyone other than somebody fleeing from oppression in Mexico. Right. Well, so so those so literally, if they are legitimate refugees, they should be going to the Mexican government and claiming refugee status, not walking to the U.S. border, and we should be turning them back. But we can't because of the courts. Right. Exactly. All right. Well, that this this should be. Uh, I, I you know again, I don't see how this ends well for anybody, and and obviously it's going to be a situation where there's going to be somebody in this group though that's going to pull some shenanigans. I wouldn't be surprised if there are a dozen of them already kind of in place to do just that. That's going to be their whole purpose is to cause trouble. But 
I, well, I, well, I, not I, to, okay. Well, look. Right, first of all, not clearly when you have seven thousand, you know, you know, not perfectly organized people. There's all kind of who need water and food. There's things can happen. But remember, again, going back to the humanitarian thing, people are going to get raped. People could get murdered. People are very much going to get robbed. They're they're probably going to get extorted in one way or another. So what you're doing is you're encouraging people to put their lives at risk for your political agenda, and that's just wrong. Wow. Yeah, but that that's that's a horrible scenario. But you're you're right. I mean, it's uh, uh it's crazy. And so I just I just hope this doesn't seem to, now there is a picture um, I know uh, even on Drudge and uh, it's all guys it's all a bunch of guys who look like they just came out of a World Cup game and well um, until, until you get to the front of the line and the front yeah. of the line there's little women holding babies and and magically those are the ones that always appear on the front page of the New York Times and get profiled right you know? exactly. All right. Go figure. So I know that I'm just going to grab you just for about five more minutes here. Uh, the the situation with Saudi Arabia, this is becoming so weird. This whole thing of these guys dressing up in in uh, in the journalist outfit and, and it's just a, the strangest damn thing. And then Jared is speaking, which I thought was highly unusual because apparently he has a relationship with the prince uh, that's better than most. So uh, that's. Uh, very interesting. What do you, what do you think's happening here? Well, you know, I still think it unfolds in in weeks. Um, and you know, the Turkish president came out today and made a long speech, made a bunch of claims. But you know, the Turks have still not produced any solid evidence. Even this thing about the guy dressed in the clothes and whatever. I mean, you know, all I see is the two pictures on Twitter. I don't know how you make anything out of that. You, know, the, the Turks have not. I mean, maybe they've given something behind the scenes to the government, but the Turks haven't publicly laid out any information yet. So it's still all just accusations. Um, we're sending the CIA director over, which is, which is smart. I think we should have done that to begin with. I think we should have sent the CIA and the FBI over because I think we're still in the investigatory phase. You know, and, and our relationships with both countries are very strategic. The policy needs to be led by the facts and we are still a long way from having all the facts. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, and 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 as we pointed out last week, and I know we don't have to retread that, but the, but there's so much at stake here, and our relationship with them uh, with the Saudis is very important. People keep acting like it's some kind of like we're like we're we we're, uh, have a relationship with the with the Bonanno family, but the reality is these people are. Uh, are important to us, and this relationship is important to us geopolitically and for our own national security and everything. So there's a lot at stake here, as you pointed out. And we and we have a relationship with Turkey too. I mean, they're a NATO ally. We have nuclear weapons stationed in Turkey. We have a massive military base there with all kinds of Americans on it. So we have important relationships with both countries, and and that's why I'm like, dude, the rush to judgment makes no sense. I mean, you if a stranger stopped down the street and said, you know, where's the Washington Monument? And you sent him off in the wrong direction. You wouldn't feel horribly, terribly bad. It's a tourist. You made a mistake. What's the big deal? But, but if your wife came to you and said, you know, honey, you know, what's going on in the bank account? I mean, the risk's a little higher there, right? So when you're dealing with important issues, you kind of need to kind of get it right. <laughs> right. That's a, <laughs> that's, a, that's a great analogy, Jimmy. That's like people will identify with that very quickly. <laughs> 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 As always, buddy. Well, listen, thanks again for your generosity and your time, buddy. And it's always great talking to you. So uh, thank you, brother. 
All right. Keep up the great work, man. All right, man. You too. Love talking to you. Thanks, Jimmy. All right. Talk to you Take soon. Care. Bye-bye. Love that guy. Don't you all? Good morning this morning, everybody. Happy Tuesday. Yes. Live here from the Discovery Design Truck Care and Manufacturing Studios. DDTruckUSA.com, people. Thank you also to Proctor Drapery, Proctor spelled like doctor, ProctorDrapery.com. Michael, a good friend of mine, and for all of your home improvement needs and your window treatment needs, Roman Shades, Woven Wood Shades. Dr. Naputi just did his entire office, redid the whole thing with uh, Michael Proctor. He's got his mobile design unit. Hardworking man right there. Available to you seven days a week. And he has uh, great prices for you, too. He's very competitive and take care of business for you. Good morning, this morning, everybody. I love, some, I love me some fine young cannibals. Whatever happened to these guys? I don't know what happened. This is one of my favorite songs. It's just because it's groovy, you know. It's a groovy song. And I don't think Facebook's going to pull me, pull me off for it because they don't know what the hell a fine young cannibals are. They're algorithms. Dumbass algorithms. <laughs> you don't know who fine young cannibals are. Who you think? I can play these guys all day long. Oh, I better show them. I'm just kidding. I better be quiet. Yes, good morning this morning. And thank you also to Matthew Mitchell, the Matthew Mitchell Allstate Agency, 855-QUOTE-ME. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you to, to Ricky Hall and Nutrition HQ. He's one of my brand new sponsors of the show. Right there at Rock Hill in Manchester there. And uh, I'm sorry, McKnight in Manchester in Rock Hill. And it's uh, right near the uh, a place called Orange Theory. And I don't know whether you guys have ever been there or not, but this place is, like, incredible. People go there, and they do this hour-long workout, and it's just like a big-time calorie burner everything else. Let's hear those horns again, finally, kid. Good job. Good job. I know it's a machine, but it's okay. Sorry, I get you, get you, get you. I know it's your drum machine, and you're just poking a button there. It sounds like horns. I get it, but... I'll take it anyway. Thank you. Yeah, Nutrition HQ, uh, NHQ.rocks. You can find all kinds of great uh, pre-workouts, and that's where I get my vitamins. That's where I get my, uh, I think I take a thing called Winoline, which is kind of a fat burner. You know, helps you out when you're working out and stuff like that. I like that Winoline. And he's got uh, protein powders that you're going to like, too. He's got uh, a protein powder, a brand new one that has chips of uh, Snickers in it. Yeah. And you're thinking, well, how can that be healthy? It's a Snickers bar. No, it's just chips of Snickers in it, in the protein. And I'm no expert in uh, how bodies work, but the reality is that when, you, uh, when you're just taking proteins, a lot of people do just do a protein shake or something. you got to still have uh, carbohydrates, so your body's going to rebel. Your body does not like it when you just do protein. You got to have something for the for the body to consume energy wise, and so you have to have a little bit of carb in there. And that Snickers is adding the carb and the flavor, and it's good. There's no fat in it. I mean, it's a little. little I mean, it's hardly any. I don't think there's any fat in there. 
There might be a little bit of fat in there, but it's, you know, you need fat. People do this fat-free, no-carb thing. Your body just does not like that. You got to have something in there. Your body needs things. The body needs real butter. You know what I mean? What are you? What are you eating this uh, stuff that's made out of uh, you know petroleum jelly? What are you doing that for? Putting that on your bread for? Put some real butter on there. Why not? Just don't have a lot of it. I don't understand why why you just have to worry about things like that. Have some real butter. I mean, I get it, like, whole milk is a little rough sometimes, so to get skim milk, fine. Have some real butter every once in a while. You know? I understand people sometimes. Fat-free this and light-free this and light that and light salad dressing? Why do you need light salad dressing? You don't need light salad dressing. Put some salad dressing on your salad. It has fat in it. It tastes good. Just don't eat a lot of it. Don't have a half a cup on there. Just put a little bit in there. That's all. It's really simple. Have a little, have a little fat, people. Let me tell you something about your fat-free salad dressing. Since I've talked about this before. I've done this before. I'm going to give you a little primer on this before we get to most of the George Soros has a bomb outside of his house. Somebody threw a boulder through McCarthy's office. Everybody's freaking out. But I'm going to tell you really quickly about salad dressing, fat-free salad dressing. You realize uh, when you have a salad dressing that's fat-free. It doesn't really work out very well because you you can because you got to have fat in there to to make to keep everything together. Fat's a good thing. Fat is a coagulator. Fat is a is a unifier when it comes to cooking and when it comes to products and things like that. So you have to have a little fat in there because the fat is a unifying product. It's a beautiful thing in moderation. And so uh, what they do when they make salad dressing, they're like, okay, well now that's fat free. And it just is like streaming out of the bottle. So what are they going to do? Well, we have to have a fat replacer in there, don't we? Right? And so a fat replacer, there are plenty of them out there, that mimics fat, but is it fat? But it's a fat replacer. So if you go to your refrigerator this morning, before you go to to, uh, take the kids to school or go to work or do whatever you're doing, if you have fat-free salad dressing, or even for that matter, light salad dressing, whatever, but fat-free... Fat-free salad dressing in your in your uh, refrigerator. Take it out and look on the back of it. And it's going to be on the back of it. It's going to be fat-free. But you're like, wow, this is a miracle because it's, it seems like it's fat. You look on the back of it, and, and, there's, uh, and it says contains alginates. A-L-G-I-N-A-T-E-S. Alginates. It's actually a product kind of made from, as you guessed it, algae. But, but it's an alginate is a fat replacer, and that's what gives you the texture that you need, that, you, that, you're, that you're fooling yourself into believing is fat. But you realize that they use alginates to lubricate drills in oil fields. That's what they use alginates for. So you're basically consuming the same thing they use to lubricate a drill that goes into the earth to find oil. And now what you're doing is you're also, that, that's a lubricant is what that is. And so what do you think is happening when you have uh, fat-free salad dressing? Well, it's basically going right through you. People who eat a lot of these fat-free foods wind up on the toilet half the time because it's running right through you. It's, it's the same thing that makes, it, makes a drill work well is, a, uh, is, is, is an alginate. 
Remember the uh, thing with Olestra? Remember people tried that? Oh, look, these potato chips are delicious, aren't they? Yep. I got to go to the bathroom. Yeah. They had to stop using Olestra after a while. God did not intend people to have fake stuff and fake foods. Remember the fat-free cookies? I know. It's fat-free, so I can have 20 of them. And people wound up being fatter because they were eating fat-free cookies by the sleeveful. Just eat the real thing in moderation. You know what I'm talking about, people? Just do it. Let yourself go. Live a little. You know what I'm saying? Light beer. Why are you drinking light beer? Drink a Budweiser or any other beer you want. But why drink a light beer? I occasionally drink a light beer, but generally, you just you know, you go big or stay home. Just do it. It's fine. It'll be perfect. Anyway, that's my food lecture for you. You want to hear about George Soros having a having a bomb outside of his house, which isn't cool. I wouldn't do that. But apparently, right outside of um, Soros's house, they found it. They found a, a a bomb in his mailbox. I mean, listen, this is things are getting. I, you know, I don't know what the left think is going on, but um, you keep on having all your black clad thugs busting people's heads in with bike locks, you're going to start getting some retaliation. And I don't like it. I don't, I, don't fa- I don't support retaliation in this fashion, but... An explosive device was found in a mailbox at the home of George Soros, suburb uh, north of New York City. The device was found near his home. It did not explode on its own. And the bomb squad proactively detonated it. So it was actually a bomb. An employee at the residence at Soros' home opened the package. (laughs) Thank God he wasn't killed or hurt. Uh, But opened the package. It's like, um, this looks like a bomb. I don't know how he could tell, but. So they, 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 so he took the the package. <laughs> so, so he said, "This is, looks like a bomb." And so what he did was then he then he says, "I know what I'll do. I'll carry it out to the backyard at the wooded area." It's like, dude, if I if I saw what would you do if you opened a package and saw that it was explosive device? Would you not get the hell out of Dodge? But he's like, "I know. I'll just tell here. Maybe if I take this bomb." And go and out the door and set it in the woods, I'll be fine. But God love him, he did. And then called the police. So now the FBI is all involved in that. And, uh, you know, pe- people people equate Soros with all the uh, violent thugs out there and everybody else. And so no wonder somebody finally does something bad to to him and I, I don't I don't I don't suggest that at all uh, in any way shape or form I don't I don't see that being a good uh, a good thing let me play this song over guy like this play it just talk against the backdrop here we got uh, then we have uh, a, a giant boulder that went through the office of Congressman uh, Kevin McCarthy he's the House majority leader and this giant boulder was thrown through the damn window. His, it's in Bakersfield, California. 
posted they they saw the suspects on a video camera surveillance camera outside the office and so the large boulder just smashed him right there but they, these guys are pretty much caught on on tape there and of course this isn't the first GOP office to be vandalized a party office in Wyoming was set on fire in Dece- in September then the the Metropolitan Republican Club on the Upper East Side, in October, windows were smashed earlier this month. And, uh, and spray-painting anarchist signs on the doors, everything else. And McCarthy is set to possibly replace Paul Ryan as the House Speaker after Ryan steps down. Oh, and I know. I, I I I know you all you all lefties out there. Oh no, but Nancy Pelosi is going to be House Speaker. Um, probably not. But I, but I know. But but I, I I admire you for continuing to uh, to think that way. You never know. I guess there's a possibility. By the way, Bakersfield, California. You know who's from Bakersfield, California? People. Buck Owens, people. Yeah. They're gonna put me in the movie. Buck Owens. The great Buck They're Owens. They're gonna make a big star out of me. Out He'll there in the film about a man that's beautiful Bakersfield, California, people. And all I gotta the birth of the right. Bakersfield sound. Well, I'll bet you I can't distinctively tell you what the Bakersfield sound I is, but they had the Nashville sound. And the Bakersfield sound. And so, comes to country music, you have the Nashville sound, which is a little more twangy. And then you have the uh, Bakersfield sound, which is a little more rockabilly. You know what I'm saying? And the Bakersfield guys all dressed in... Uh, they were they, they were the sequin guys. They like they that, those fancy, fancy clothes. Nashville did, too, to a certain degree. Some of those guys did, but... But the Bakersfield guys all dressed in uh, awesome-looking outfits, man. Top to bottom. They had sequins and all that kind of stuff. I I don't know where the rhinestone cowboy was set necessarily, the movie, but if it was in Nashville, that would have been kind of unusual because the the rhinestone was normally a uh, Bakersfield, California thing. Everything was groovy out there in California. But yeah, the Bakersfield sound. It was Buck Owens. And that's why it worked out so well on Hee Haw between Buck Owens and Roy Clark, because Roy Clark was more of a Nashville guy. And Buck Owens was a Bakersfield guy, and they had both the Nashville and Bakersfield sounds in the same show, which was one of the greatest shows ever made. Hee Haw. Kidding me? Love that show, Hee Haw. I was all into Hee Haw too. I remember uh, the guy who was uh, one of those guys, Junior, I think, or somebody. It wasn't Junior Samples, but it was somebody who was uh, who was. Uh, it was Mister. Uh, oh, I can't remember. Slim something. I can't remember. Slim Bean, String Bean, or something. His name was. And apparently, these guys all came into a bunch of money and everything else because Hee Haw was wildly successful. And uh, 
they had the uh the this guy gosh I can't remember his name Slim Jim or <laughs> it wasn't Slim Pickens it was uh string bean or something green bean tall guy but apparently he was like running around flashing a bunch of money and everything else and somebody robbed and killed the guy like I knew all about that story when I was a kid can you believe that I was focused I was hyper focused on uh stuff like that Boy, that Trump rally yesterday was uh, was outstanding. Uh, it was a lot of fun to watch. It was President Trump in his uh, perfect element there. Early this morning, I played you a little bit from him. Uh, one of my favorite parts was actually when President Trump finally said it. He fi- he finally kind of said, "Yeah, you know, um, you could you could say all you want about uh, how I'm a nationalist and I'm a this, and I'm a that, and." how terrible that is. and But the fact of the matter is, uh, I'm a nationalist. That's, that's what I am. I'm proud of it. I'm a nationalist. Call me a nationalist all you want, all day long. Now they have a word. It sort of became old-fashioned. It's called a nationalist. And I say, really, we're not supposed to use that word. You know what I am? I'm a nationalist, okay? I'm a nationalist. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. Nationalist. Yeah. Nothing. Use that word. Use that word. <laughs> and you know what they they showed, you know, the people in the crowd were all they're they're blacks, Hispanics, white people. They're all, you know, they're all into this thing. President Trump was at his, in Houston. This is in Houston. President Trump was at his best in uh in, in Houston yesterday. Oh Lord. Houston, by the way, has set a record when it comes to early voting. Uh, and so this this race between Beto O'Rourke and Ted Cruz is a pretty hot race. People are kind of pretty crazed about this thing. And uh, I still it still confounds me that a guy like Beto O'Rourke would be doing well in Texas. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I always thought Texans were a little tougher, a little more commonsensical, I just never saw Texas as a left-wing loony bin. I, I, so, it, so it's hard for me to even believe that Beto O'Rourke is getting the kind of love he's getting in Texas. But maybe I'm mistaken. Maybe I just have a have it all wrong about Texas. But, you know, especially, especially a place like Houston, you know, I was, you know, and, and is, it, is, it, is it that way in Dallas too and – other places, Amarillo, and what's what's going on down there? Now I know like Austin is uh, fairly liberal. You know, it's a great town. It's a it's a music town. You know, it's a it's a it's a place where a lot of musicians go, and it's a beautiful place. And you know, I know San Antonio, but I never thought that 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 Texas would be the kind of place that would uh, gravitate towards a left winger like Beto O'Rourke. And oh. President Trump was hazing the hell out of him last night, though. And and the, the funny part about this, and I'll get to this. I I, I realize I kind of did this in the six o'clock hour, but I want to make sure you guys. I I want to you know my my audience and uh, Ryan kind of broke down how things go because I can tell who's coming and going here. But the audience is uh, movable. You have a lot of people who, you know, kind of are uh, changes over. The audience changes over quite a bit from one hour to the next. So you're hitting a lot of different people 
Uh, and and it's interesting because somebody was saying the other day after the article in the Post. I don't know. Did you guys see the article in the Post? Uh, the article in the Post, which was I thought was pretty good, except uh, Dan Caesar. I told him, I said, dude, um, they don't. The Post Dispatch changed its language. Doesn't they don't say that I was threatening to assault the guy anymore? It's, I call it a controversial tweet because eventually I'm going to sue them. But I, I but but yeah, you you uh, they changed their language on that. So it's too bad. It was a, once again I was accused of assault, you know, uh, but or threatening to assault David Hogg, which I which I didn't do, which is a complete falsehood. Never threatened the guy at all. But uh, they did the article there, and, and it was pretty good. Dan Caesar was nice to me and uh, talked about my numbers and everything else, and, and so I, I appreciated that. And I thought it was a pretty good article. The usual idiots who read the Post-Dispatch chimed in, but nobody gives a flying F about them anyway. But they did, uh, they did comment, so it's like, oh, so well, I didn't even read. I just heard about them. I, didn't even, I don't even read these comments from these idiots anymore. It doesn't bother me. I'm still here and I will be here and um, I'll be here pissing you off until uh, well after you're in the ground. So uh, that's all going to be good for me. But nonetheless, the uh, change over the audience is interesting because we uh, people switch over. So somebody was like, well, how, how is it that those numbers can be true? I only see 100 people on Facebook. But you got to remember that the 100 is basically ultimately by the end of three hours, uh, quite possibly up to a thousand, but but you're only seeing a hundred because it, people are moving and, and people are changing out and switching out and doing that kind of thing. And sometimes it's seventy. It depends on the days. Days are the days are interesting. Uh, Fridays are hot here. Uh, Tuesdays are hot. Mondays sometimes on the Facebook at least is kind of low. Because people are, Mondays are just when people are trying to get their stuff together and they're not, you know, it's just it's the way things go. But nonetheless, um, I appreciate that. So anyway, the audience kind of changes over, switches over from hour to hour, which is why sometimes if you listen all three hours, you're going to go, why are you repeating yourself? It's like, well, because I want to I want to make sure I hit you. And if President Trump is calling himself a nationalist and I love it, I'm going to tell you that four or five times in the morning in three hours. And when. When President Trump here went after um, Beto O'Rourke, this was hilarious. Oh, by the way, we ready to go ahead and shut things down to get uh, Judge Napolitano on? Awesome, man. Um, but President Trump was funny. He was hazing the hell out of Beto O'Rourke. And just imagine him. He, he said this Beto thing. He's like, Beto, and then rolled his eyes. It was a massive eye roll. It was fantastic. Check this out. It was good. Check it out, people. Check it out. Ted's opponent in this race. <laughs> is a stone-cold phony named Robert Francis O'Rourke, sometimes referred to as Beto. (laughs) And he he pretends to be a moderate, but he's actually a radical, open-borders left-winger. That's what he is. And I know Texas well. Yeah. And that's, that's what's so confounding to me, is that President Trump does indeed know Texas well, and yet, uh, for whatever reason, uh, they seem to be, at least when you look at the polls, they seem to be still, for whatever reason, in almost a dead heat, which doesn't make any sense for crying out loud. But nonetheless, uh, that is the case. So I'm going to go ahead and get uh, Judge Napolitano on the line here. And what we do is we take a break because the judge does not like to go on like cold. So what we do is we'll take a break and then we will uh, get uh, the the judge on this way. 
And that's just how things have to roll, people. That's how things have to happen. Hold on a second here. Let me grab uh, the judge's number. You all have been so very patient with me. Thank you so much. And I will be back in just a quick, short second, people. All right? Okay. Perfect. Thank you. Bye-bye. We are back here live in the Discovery Design Studios. Discovery Design Truck Care and Manufacturing. That's where it all is, folks. And it's a wonderment to behold. Appreciate those guys uh, sponsoring the studio and appreciate all that they do. But you know who else I appreciate, don't you? Ladies and gentlemen, Judge Napolitano. Yes, everybody. Here comes the judge. Here is the judge. Here is the judge. Judge Napolitano, welcome to the program. Always good to have you, my friend. Uh, how you been? I'm sorry I missed you up in New York. I hung out with uh, oh, Brian. I'm, I'm, so, I'm sorry we missed each other uh, as well. It's the, yeah. it's the speaking season, and a lot of us are traveling all over the place speaking to our favorite groups, which is, of course, how you and I met when a snowstorm kept me from leaving St. Louis about 10 or 15 years ago. <laughs> I know. I loved it. And you came into the studio and it was a fun time. And I know sometimes even, you know, on weekday mornings, uh, when, uh, when you all can't, when you can't join us, you're out, you're uh, hitting the streets of New York and getting, doing those early morning breakfasts and things like that. So you're in high demand, my friend. So, uh, oh, Hey, God bless you. Thank you. And, and I wanted to ask you, I know you were, uh, on Fox and friends this morning talking about some other things besides the caravan, but I want to ask you a quick question about, this whole asylum issue and 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 how that works. I mean, what is what legally, for instance, are the rights of a individual who suddenly winds up on the doorstep of the United States of America? Well, if so much as a as a toe or a flip flop or or the front of a shoe lands on American soil, then whoever that is has the right to claim asylum. Asylum doesn't mean that you lost your job. Asylum means the government is persecuting you or the government's policies are aggressively harming you. So if the business you worked for in uh, Guatemala went out of business, you want to come to the U.S., that's not a basis for asylum. But if the government of Guatemala is refusing to enforce basic laws and gangs are roaming the streets and ruling the place, 
that is a basis for asylum. So asylum then means that you are entitled to a hearing before a judge, and it normally takes six to eight months before a judge will hear you, just because of the number of people uh, online ahead of you. In the Obama administration, the government set you free to go anywhere you wanted in the United States in that six to eight months and expected you to come back for the hearing. Many did, many did not. In the Trump administration, the government detained you and separated you from your children. The detention is lawful. The separation from children is not. The burden of proving the existence of governmental repression back home is on the part of the person seeking asylum, and they're entitled to lawyers to help them do it. So that's one route. If a person sneaks in, that is, just crosses the border, does not go through a legitimate American portal where you make the asylum claim, then they're subject to arrest and immediate deportation without a hearing if they're within 200 miles of the border through which they entered. Once they get beyond 200 miles, they're more or less home free. Then the feds can only uh, arrest them with, a, with an arrest warrant. So it is this mishmash of laws cobbled together, some pre-World War II, some post-World War II, some with a big heart towards uh, immigrants, some with a more stingy view towards immigrants, that the president complains about and says needs a vast renovation. I happen to agree with him. Why that hasn't happened uh, in the past year and a half while Republicans control both houses of Congress and the White House, I don't know. This will never happen if the Democrats take the House in two weeks because they just simply won't be able to agree. Wow. Well, now, so I, I guess technically – uh, how this thing is going to work out because you have these guys they're they're a thousand miles away or whatever it is, and you know the timing of this is going to go right up to the uh, looks like the doorstep of the actual midterm elections. And so, if you're President Trump and you're the administration and you are having to deal with this, what is your tactic? Because suddenly we have this specter of the military facing off with people at the border and the optics are always dicey. What would you do? Well, threatening to withhold uh, foreign aid is not going to stop the caravan because this is not a government-motivated uh, program. You know, if we, if we are committed to give, again, I'll use Honduras as an example, Honduras $200 million, cutting that down to $175 million is not going to stop the caravan. And using the military, of course, creates a um, an optic that may please Trump's base but would be perceived as horrific by those that are not in the base. And very troublesome because the military can't go into Mexico. It has to stay in the U.S. And they can't use force. They can't use weapons to repel the entrance because they don't have deadly force. You can't use deadly force against non-deadly force. Otherwise, you commit a crime. Right. I suppose the military could stand there and their presence could be used uh, as a deterrence. But you're talking about a... Uh, logistical nightmare, since the problem is not uh, people claiming asylum. That's a rather orderly process. The problem is people sneaking in in, in areas with which the, familiar, the military is even unfamiliar. The Border Patrol, which at the Texas-Mexico border is bilingual, knows this area and these problems far better 
than than the military. I don't know how I would advise uh, the president. I think I probably have, it's almost like I'm going to confession here, (laughs) a softer spot in my heart for immigrants than uh, the president does. He has been staunch and fierce that he's going to draw the line. So if he doesn't draw the line, he'll really undermine a lot of his base. And he has a state reputation for doing what he says he's going to do. Uh, but using deadly force, in my opinion, will be catastrophic morally and politically. Right. Uh, yeah, and I, I, I understand your sensibilities have always been very consistent uh, on that matter. And speaking of sensibilities, because I know you have to, you have a short time here. And and one of the things that I, uh, I, I don't actually, I don't think we've ever talked about you and I the death penalty. But I, I'm, I'm opposed to the death penalty uh, from from the standpoint that I, I, I just don't believe a state ought to have that kind of power to. Uh, kill its own citizens. It just bothers me and has always bothered me, although obviously it's more popular to be for it uh, because it makes people feel better. But we have a poll out now that shows that that for the first time ever, uh, the support for the death penalty has fallen below 50 percent. That's interesting. Well, I am with you uh, on the death penalty. You know, the government derives its powers from the consent of the governed. You, you can use uh, deadly force in self-defense, but once a person has been locked up in a cage, there's no need to use the deadly force. You don't have the right to, uh, to kill a person under those circumstances. Well, if an individual doesn't have the right to kill a person, uh, how, how would the state? I also believe that when the state kills, it, it uh, sort of foments the underlying argument that killing is okay. And I I know the president disagrees with this, but I've been a fierce opponent of the death penalty for a long time on moral grounds. Now, moral grounds. Thomas Aquinas (laughs) accepted the death penalty, said it didn't violate the natural law. Who the heck am I to disagree (laughs) with the angelic doctor, as his title is in the church, which is the second highest title after the Blessed Mother. Um, Right. But I I do disagree uh, that the death penalty is a disaster as applied and immoral uh, whenever it's used. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate that. I suppose that. that puts me in the same camp as Pope Francis, <laughs> which for me is a rarity. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, every once in a while, you know, the two, the two, uh, two things intersect, you know. It's, it's, it's uh, yes. the lightning strikes uh, at a certain point, and uh, you'll take it, right? I appreciate that. All right, Judge. Well, listen, have a great rest of your morning. I so appreciate you, and my people all appreciate you taking the time that you do to be on Radio Free Almond. So thank you so much, Judge. All the best, Jamie. Until next you week. Too. Thanks. Take care. Yeah, that's uh, Judge Napolitano at Judge Knapp. And we, ladies and gentlemen, are having some fun here. Yeah. Good morning this morning, everybody. Come on! We are building a religion. Oh, I need to put some volume on here. Bigger. We are widening the corridors and adding more lanes. We are building a religion, a limited edition. We are now accepting callers for these pendant keychains. Resistance is useless. Yes, resistance is useless, people. You cannot resist the radio, the free, and the almond. You must join the club. You must come with us. Yes, join the the movement. Yeah, he'd call me, dude. 
Whatever you want to do, folks. Call me anything. Just spell my name right. Good morning, and thank you to none other than Naputi Wellness, NaputiWellness.com. For all of your natural health needs. You know what people do? They like to do? Dude, they like to uh, band-aid problems with drugs. And there are a lot of people who right now who have undergone uh, surgeries and are in pain, migraine headaches, back pain, those kinds of things. And they take pain pills. And they get addicted to pain pills. That's how we had the whole damn Oxycontin problem to begin with. And so Naputi has said, you know what? We don't need to do that. First of all, I have a I have a non-opioid pain drip for the really people who are in pain. I got all that going for us. And so the non-opioid drip has been helping guys like football players of the football communities really into this. The pros are helping out. Dr. Naputi's flying down to Florida all the time to meet with these guys. Because they have this uh, business where they're, you know, it's treating concussions and other painful situations regarding athletes. And so that's a cool thing. And so Naputi takes a more natural approach. Don't band-aid it. You got to solve the problem, get to the core of the problem. That's how he does it. People who have uh, ADD, ADHD, you know what the deal is with the kids. You know how now, back in the day, my goodness gracious, how many kids were like popping Ritalin and all that kind of stuff, those pills, just to keep them stable. Well, there's a different way, and Dr. Deputy has that. So that's why you go down there to his office in Chesterfield or in uh, South County, and you see the, all the happy faces of all the people out there who've been served by him in a natural way. And uh, it's been very, very effective. I used him. I had some sinus issues. He was. I, he could tell me what my problem was just by looking at my spinal cord, for crying out loud. Oh, yeah, you must have some sinus problems. Hey, you're right. Stomach problems, yep. And he resolved all of it. So thank you, Dr. Deputy, and thank you for your support of Radio Free Almond. We're working on a big project together as it relates to Radio Free Almond coming up. So it'll be part of Radio Free Almond 2.0. Got that coming. Don't you worry your little pretty little heads. We'll have that uh, for you eventually. NaputiWellness.com. Do you see this uh, face-off with uh, Megan McCain and this chick over at the, uh, on The View? The View is a confusing show. I know a lot of you don't really watch it. So, you know, I... Bringing it to you is a mixed bag of of happiness because uh, I like to bring it to you for the sake of exposition and for you all to kind of uh, get an eye about onto what some of these goofballs around the uh, country are getting into. But Megan McCain is occasionally, you know, um, is occasionally helpful. Sometimes she's not. She's not a big Trump fan. I don't. I didn't. I. I thought her. Uh, I thought her. I thought her comportment during her father's funeral was awful. But then again, who am I to judge? I mean, she was obviously in mourning, and I get it. And 
I, I understand that, but I th- I thought it was I thought for the family it was really not a very good look for them to be bashing Trump at the at at the at the, at the funeral of their father. It just was all kind of really not not good. It was not a good look for the McCain family, but uh, you know it's none of my business. So they get into this big argument, though. It's it's uh, it's this Hostin character, Sonny Hostin, and, and, and uh, she's like she's like the she's like this left wing zealot, and she's the one who didn't care whether there was no proof against Kavanaugh. She was like, you know, send him to hell. So she's really way way out of out of her out of any kind of normal zone. And then there's Abby Huntsman, who's uh, cutie pie she's john huntsman's daughter john huntsman he's the one who who promised when he was running for president he'd go over and give a speech to china in chinese yes i'm a, I, I know chinese that was his big thing john huntsman really the one of the nicest guys on earth really you know he's not like john Kasich, who is this uh liberal republican who's also really annoying and eats with his mouth open John Huntsman was actually kind of a groovy dude, although he was just kind of annoying because he was. Remember, he was running for president. I'm going to run for president. I'm gonna, I, I promise you, I'm going. I know Chinese, and I, I'm 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 going to go to to China and give a speech uh, when I'm president in Chinese. I'm like, dude, that's all we need is for our president to go over to another country and speak in a foreign language. That's that'll do the trick, buddy. Anyway. <laughs> His uh, daughter, Abby, is on The View. I thought she was on Fox, but I guess is she not on Fox anymore, Abby Huntsman? His daughters are all beautiful. Anyway, so there's uh, Abby Huntsman. Then there's Megan McCain. So they're getting into a big fight over this uh, caravan thing. (laughs) I'm still going back to President Trump's rally in Houston. Because he was there, because he, he oh, let me go, let me go to it really quickly because it's it's too funny to pass up. But he he uh, he was talking about the uh, the caravan. Trump was President Trump was absolutely just mint level Donald Trump last night. I mean, it was fun to watch. Even Pierce Morgan went on Twitter and he was like, "This." is I don't care what you think about President Trump, this is entertaining. And and it and it really it really was. I you know, and you know me. I mean, if you hate Donald Trump, you hate this kind of stuff and I understand that. And if you hate Donald Trump, you're probably not even listening to the show. But maybe you maybe you do. Hate him. So so President Trump, if if you don't like him, he totally lives rent-free in your head. And, and you could tell how exasperating he is for the left and for people. He just perplexes people because his confidence is through the roof. I mean, there is not an F given about what people who hate Trump, uh, what he thinks of them. I mean, it is this guy, I love his attitude. It's about time we had some Republicans with balls for crying out loud. He's even he's even uh, he's even made Lindsey Graham go grab his balls from McCain's refrigerator. 
freezer. Now that McCain's dead, it's like Lindsey Graham's like, I'm going to go and grab those. Thank you. Thank, thank you very much. And, and it, you know, so, so, so it, it tends to be uh, contagious, which is even, more, even better. I mean, look, Ted Cruz even had energy last night, for crying out loud. And Ted Cruz, I like Ted Cruz. I've interviewed Ted Cruz before, and uh, I admire him. I think he's a, I think he's a good guy. And and you know most of the most of the news media were so confounded by this idea that wait a minute, weren't they running against each other and calling each other names? Yeah, they were. But now you know what it's like to be a man and an adult instead of fourteen years old. People can fight and actually have disagreements, and sometimes even have vicious ones. And still manage to reconvene, and still manage to have you know. I, I, I unfortunately of late I've been dealing with people who uh, can't get over themselves, and so they they march away in a huff because because uh, I didn't drop to my knees when they demanded me to to do so, and and I, I don't have any use for those negative people in my life, and certainly on my show. So I, I'm I'm I, so, but but in my world, you can get rough and tumble, and you come back, and you reconvene, and you get your asses together, and you and you and you make it happen. That's where that's where my world is. In my world, you can you can sit there and eviscerate somebody, although you don't want to be mean about it. But you can get into a fight or do whatever. But you can come back and dust it off and and get back into it. That's how that's what being being adults are all about. That's what being men are all about. But a but a but a beta like Shepard Smith just can't figure this out. Well, wait a minute, didn't he accuse his dad of being part of the JFK? Yeah, he did. Who cares, Shepard? I mean, uh, so, but but Shepard Smith doesn't understand any of that because he's too busy fluttering his eyelashes and fanning himself over the uh, uh, the, uh, the 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 audacity of. Of President Trump and all of this, he just doesn't understand any of this kind of stuff. This is this is you know. Let me give pass me my snuff, please. With his with his little, I'm surprised he doesn't have like a little uh, fake beauty mark on his cheek. The way Shepard Smith comports himself on Fox News, Lord mercy, what a what a pansy he is. But anyway, he just couldn't get, he couldn't figure this out. He couldn't. Fi- That's not going to get me a contributor job over there, is it? Darn it. Shoot. Erase that. Don't tell anybody I said that. I forgot. I was trying to get a contributor job up there at Fox News. I'm sitting there going off on the Fox News house. Never mind. Erase that tape, please. Thank you. Morgan, can you please erase that and take that out of the atmosphere? Thank you very much. Thank you. You have Matt and Morgan take care of all that. You didn't hear that. Strike that from the record. I love Shepard Smith sometimes. So anyway... That's what happens. People just get over each other and, and they don't fight and they just have, you know, they, yeah, there are some things that are, you can't forgive, I get, you know, and I, but, but boy, these guys have forgiven a lot, old Donald Trump and Ted Cruz. Trump, and this is also a great sign of, of to me, uh, Ted Cruz, and I'll get to the view thing in a second here, uh, but, but to me, Ted Cruz exhibited a huge level of class when, and believe me, I had some real problems with these guys, when, especially after that rally in Chicago when 
President Trump, remember he had to cancel that rally in Chicago because he and, and President Trump, by the way, even when he was a he was a candidate, President Trump would hold rallies on college campuses. Like he did, like and, and this was in Chicago. And so instead of having them out, you know, somewhere in the suburbs where it's safe and there's he he had them right damn right in the Chicago city center there. Uh, near Chicago University or whatever it was. Anyway, so when they had to cancel that rally, it was infuriating because it was really a, a terrible sign and a terrible reflection on the United States of America to have a political rally, and the forced, forced cancellation of a political rally uh, because there were a bunch of thugs out there protesting and, and, and attacking supporters of a political candidate. So I thought that was an awful thing. It was a horrible reflection on this country and this republic. And uh, I was really upset when Ted Cruz came out and said that, uh, that, well, this is what you get when you have that kind of nasty language that President Trump had. I go, dude, you can't possibly. And that's when I kind of fell off. the. I really was never on the Cruz wagon, but that's when I really kind of got a little more aggressive in my support of President Trump, when Cruz did that, I was like, dude, you can't possibly be thinking this is a good thing for you to, 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 to do that and say things like that. So as far as I'm concerned, uh, when Trump accuses dad of having the JFK thing, good, you, good, you, this, you, you deserve everything you get there, buddy. So I wasn't happy about, about that. But nonetheless, uh, I never had any animosity towards uh, some of uh, – some of my biggest haters at the time when I was supporting Trump were Cruz supporters. So some of the Cruz supporters were not very nice people, I have to say. But there are people who say there are Trump supporters who aren't very nice people either. So I, I get it. But yeah, some of the, some of the worst, you know, the people who were uh, emailing me, telling me I was out of the club and you're no longer a conservative because I was a Trump supporter. We're usually Cruz people. But nonetheless, that's what happens. Political fights are political fights. People fight for what they believe in, stand up for what they believe in. And, you know, uh, once once you win or once you lose, either way, you're supposed to then pick everything back up again, be gracious, and move on. Unfortunately, in the world of shepherds – in the world of other people uh, down the line, in, in that world, um, that's a world that these people don't live in because they're supporting the biggest, sorest losers on the planet like Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama, who's not really a loser, but he's sl- fast making himself one by running his fat mouth about President Trump. He did it again yesterday. But, but these people are not... Adults. These people are not gracious individuals. These people have no manners, and 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 most of the people out there you see bitching and moaning continuously about the outcome of the election are people who were raised that way by their parents who spoiled them rotten. And so that's all the people out on the street, all the people screaming at people in restaurants and those kinds of things. They were raised poorly by their parents. Because hopefully you all can, you all know how, how foreign is it? I mean, how, I mean, it's not even remotely acceptable 
in any of our worlds, you'd, you'd never do that to anybody in a restaurant. I mean, how, how many of you, you look at these people who are blathering on and snorting and, and sweating and screaming and yelling? You're like, who are those people? When they're in the middle, like when Mitch McConnell's sitting there or Ted Cruz is at the restaurant, you're like, uh, not in a million years would you ever do that, regardless of how angry you are. I mean, not, not, in, a, not in a million trillion years. But we've got, we have a whole generation of people, and unfortunately, they're a bunch of these uh, late 20s, early 30s, sometimes even 40s, uh, these hipsters whose parents spoiled them rotten and, and, and never, never taught them uh, the idea that they sometimes can lose. These are the people who got trophies regardless of whether or not they accomplished anything or not. These are people who always had the playing field leveled for them at all times. They were raised that way. Their parents raised them that way. And I understand there are some kids who, uh, who can be a certain way uh, and, and, and not like their parents. I get that. But very few, very few of them. Usually uh, you, you look at somebody and, and – I guarantee you, you look at one of their parents and they're pretty much just like their dad or mom. I'm not, or or maybe even both, heaven forbid. But yeah, they're raised and, you know, never got their hands dirty. Didn't have to work when they were 13 or 14. They were just, you know, whatever. Uh, And I get that. There's a lot of kids who don't have to work with, but I understand that. But what I'm saying is they just don't, they weren't raised, they were raised to believe that they could never lose. And there's just no such thing as losing. Everything has to be, the playing field always has to be even. So these are the people who, who I, I can't even imagine having the ability to stand in a restaurant and yell at somebody while they're sitting there eating their dinner. I just, I mean, it just is beyond the realm of comprehension for me. But those people are out there. Those people, people are out there. And some of them are journalists, and some of them are people who go on the air and think it's okay for Hillary Clinton to sit there and bitch two years after she lost an election and still be bitching about it, still be whining about it. And and, and these are the people who are hitting the streets and hitting people with bike locks and going crazy. And there are some among us too, obviously, but 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 still, for the most part, these people are are out of this world crazy. But in our world, we come around, hopefully. Uh, a good conservative, a person who is, uh, who is at least a common sense person, will, uh, will come around. And that's why we have this configuration we have with President Trump and Ted Cruz. They both know what is necessary. And what is necessary is for Ted Cruz to retain his seat in the Senate what is necessary is to have President Trump and his policies continue to be reinforced. And that's what we have. And Ted Cruz, after the election, went right back to being a U.S. senator and helped President Trump a lot. In spite of the fact that it had to be kind of uh, a little tough, tough for him to do so, but he helped President Trump a lot. And President Trump repaid him last night in Houston. 
And and for some of these anchors, it was like, boy, how could they possibly be getting along after all that tough fight? Well, you know that it happened. It happened. You know, it happened when when Ronald Reagan and H. W. Bush, you know, had their famous run in. You know, and H. W. called Ronald Reagan's economics voodoo economics and all that kind of stuff, and they wound up getting along just fine. Well, to the point where H. W. was vice president for crying out. I mean, so so it it worked out. And that's because they're men. And I'm not saying only men do. I'm talking about, you know, men and, and as, in, as in people. Women do the same thing. Women are probably better at it than men are sometimes in terms of uh, letting uh, bygones be bygones. Although uh, you, could probably, you could probably pick out a woman or a man who can't do it. So I'm not trying to be gender specific there. So anyway, President Trump is, uh, is at this rally and uh, – and they're all supporting Ted Cruz and President Trump's out there and he makes a difference when he appears on behalf of a candidate. So anyway, back to what I was trying to get to with The View. President Trump is out there talking about the caravan. And it's funny because he is as confused as anybody about what the hell this thing is. These this seven thousand people who are being bussed and given bottled water on their way up to this ultimately will be a confrontation at the border. Oh, right around November fifth or November third or whatever. This will go on for. They'll, they'll set up camp right after Halloween, and then uh, they'll be all sitting there waiting it out. Till the and 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 what they want, what some people, somebody wants, is a confrontation before the uh, the midterm election. The, the the left wing, which basically miscalculates every single time. I mean, believe me, uh, these people will screw up a wet dream. That's how incompetent the left is. That's how incompetent the Democrats are. Everything they touch backfires on them. I mean, if, if they were terrorists, we wouldn't have to fight them at all because they'd be busy blowing themselves up as they were trying to lay IEDs on the road. Those are those people. Every time they touched a, every time they touched a bomb, it would blow up in their face. They'd be, they'd be horrible terrorists. We wouldn't need to lift a finger on these guys. That's how incompetent they are. The Kavanaugh thing backfired on them. I mean, you could list a, a ton of things that that just didn't didn't go their way. I mean, they just they just they, they just can't they can't pull it off. And so, uh, this is no different. They, I think, they think, or there are some people who think that this caravan is going to elicit a bunch of sympathies and reinforce the idea that President Trump is a racist. Or reinforcing that President Trump's a nationalist, right? You know that 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 supposed bad word. President Trump gets out there in the rally last night and says, "Yeah, I'm a nationalist." Hello, everybody. I'm a nationalist. Call me a nationalist. So this isn't working out for them. And all it's doing is it's 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 and, and Jim Carafano pointed this out. All it's doing is just laddering people up and getting people excited, and getting people more inclined to defend the border than ever. A lot of us are in the same situation. We don't know what this is. What is this? 
It's now at 7,000. It began as 12. Who the hell are these people? And as Carafano pointed out earlier, oh, well, okay, uh, look about, you know, three rows deep and you'll see guys wearing their stupid soccer shirts who are coming across the border uh, who are, are on the way. And in front, you see the ladies and, and their babies. But you go in a little deeper, and it's like everybody teaming out of a El Salvadoran World Cup game. And they're all popping through. Who knows who the hell they are? Some of them have been identified by the Washington Post as former deportees or just making another run. One guy they tagged in Washington Post has been deported six times. He's in that crowd. Carol Fonnell pointed out alarmingly that some of these guys are cartel members. And keep in mind, in 1985, when uh, there was a cartel issue and they killed that agent, uh, President Reagan shut the border down, shut it completely down. So th- these people are not just your organic, you know, poor me people who want to seek refuge. I mean, and there are some of them who are here to clean Barack Obama's hotel room. But for the most part, some of these people, in my opinion, have some nefarious goals. I'm just saying. So anyway, President Trump <laughs> talks about this thing. And, and, and he, he, he doesn't take this very seriously because he's like, sure, caravan, right. And everybody's like, yeah. I mean, and they're boo- they boo the word caravan. Here, listen to this. It's great. A large group of people, they call it a caravan. (laughs) What's so funny about it is that, you know, generally it's like, oh my goodness, all those white racists are booing a a caravan. How dare they? And 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 they know as well as as President Trump does that this whole idea that they're a caravan, I mean, that's because mob was already taken. (laughs) <laughs> to to represent the uh, people who are the 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 left wing mobs who are busy on the streets of the USA, so mobs have already been taken. So I guess they call this a caravan now. As if as if why why not just call it a love train? You know why why, why not just call it that? You know or a uh, or a line of angels or whatever you want to call. It. But but call it what it is or call it whatever you want to. This isn't right. No, nobody gets this. Nobody thinks this is, with the exception of a few people who have this weird fantasy and who live amongst unicorns, can possibly think that this is just a normal thing to be happening. This is, and we've had it happen before. We've had the uh, the boat lift and all that kind of stuff from Cuba, and we've had we've had these teeming masses before, but. Uh, this there's nothing natural or organic about what we're seeing happening right now with this seven thousand people. So that's why President Trump is out there and talking, calling it a caravan because it's just as ridiculous a word because it's so innocent. Oh, the caravan of of uh, people are arriving, and, and and the audience boos the caravan, which is. Pretty hilarious. A large group of people. They call it a caravan. <laughs> Boo, caravan. <laughs> this is how 
much sympathy the left is getting for whatever operation they think this is. And, and when you get to a point, are these all horrible people? Because they're booing a caravan? No, they're people who don't buy any of what's going on here. Any of what, even the media, which is so disinterested in trying to, now kudos to the Washington Post, because the Washington Post actually did find that the, there were people in here who were former deportees. So they actually have been doing it. The mainstream media has been doing a fairly good job. For the, but for the most part, the TV guys, they love these stories. They, they love this, 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 this phony kind of image of uh, a bunch of, you know, uh, Mary and Joseph's all coming over here on their donkeys. And it's like, no, that's not happening here. This is, this is, not, this is not right. And so President Trump is in a backwards way calling complete BS on the whole operation. Do you know how the caravan started? Does everybody know what this means? <laughs> so, he's, so he says, you know how the caravan started? And, and, and if, you're, if you're looking at the video or whatever, he's, he's uh, you know, shelling out dollar, you know, money. You know how the caravan started? Just like this, people. And he's like, you know, shoveling money out, which is not, in my opinion, uh, too far from the truth. Who knows? Nobody knows. That's the thing. Nobody knows. And so I could, I could, I could call them all, you know, uh, Martians, and I'd be just as right as the person calling them all Mary and Josephs. You don't know who the hell these people are. And nobody bothers to check except maybe the Washington Post and Jim Carafano, who said a lot of them are cartel members. And, uh, and, and, and the Washington Post says some of them are people who've been deported six times. And I'll make it another run because they're now with a bunch of people they can hide in, a group they can hide in. I think the Democrats had something to do with it. <laughs> and now they're saying, I think we made a big mistake because people are seeing how bad it is, how pathetic it is, how bad our laws are. They made a big mistake. So as the caravan, and, and look, that is an assault on our country. That's an assault. And in that caravan, you have some very bad people. You have some very bad people. And we can't let that happen to our country, and it's not. And I was just talking to your great governor and senators, and you were talking about your attorney general, who I'm going to be introducing in a second, but I'm talking to a lot of your people and they're going to form a wall, different kind of a wall, until we get the other one built. We need a wall built fast, fast. We have to protect our borders. We don't have borders. We don't have a country. He's right on that. And, and, and all this is doing is backfiring and reinforcing the commitment to our borders and the commitment to our sovereignty that must happen. And so... I don't know how much the Democratic Party or whatever President Trump was talking about there. I don't really know how much the Democrats have uh, to are involved in this, uh, but I but about I do seven. know but I do know that somebody is organizing this thing. This is not an organic operation here. Somebody's paying for the buses. Somebody is fueling the buses. Somebody is. Buying the water. I mean, here, the media acted as if these folks were uh, arriving into these small towns and 
people would come out of their cottages and hand them bottles of water. It's like, no, that really wasn't happening. I mean, it, it was kind of like everybody was, you know, kind of popping out and cheering them along and lining the streets. And, oh, there they are. It's like that wasn't happening. That, that's not happening. So anyway, the folks on The View get into it. Sorry, it was kind of a long way to go to get to this, but I wanted to set the stage. So this is all about the caravan. So there's Whoopi and there's Sonny Hostin, who's a left-wing loon who doesn't believe, for instance, in uh, uh, innocence before proven guilty, doesn't believe any of that kind of stuff, that whole that, – that, all that annoying stuff. Uh, then there's Megan McCain and then there's Abby Huntsman, and they're all talking about this whole thing. And it becomes pretty much of a, uh, a fight. Becomes pretty much of a knockdown dragon. Thousand migrants are heading towards the U.S. border right now, uh, saying they're running for their lives from violence in their own countries and all the things that make people come to this country to get away from their own. But you it's know- interesting how, in the, in the visuals too, that they're they're coming up here in groups, but they're and you'd think. Wow, they have this American dream, you know, and I'm like, okay, can somebody hand them some American flags? Wouldn't that be a better look than you uh, carrying the flag of Honduras and the flag of uh, of uh, of El Salvador or the flag of Venezuela or whatever it is? I mean, this is not uh, the the Olympics. You are, they, they, but they're all they're all uh, lined up and they they act like you know. They're 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 in the Olympics carrying their own flags, carrying an American flag. Maybe I'd be actually have a little more sympathy for you because it looks like you actually have some kind of desire to to be here for legit reasons. But why are you why are you marching towards our border carrying the Honduran flag? I mean, you can't be that proud of your country because you're getting the hell out of it who in the White House paints a little bit of a different picture. He tweeted this morning, and I quote, criminals and unknown Middle Easterners are mixed in. He also blames the caravan on the Democrats. Now, and by the way, uh, you know, Jim Carafano earlier said, we don't know whether there's there. There might be some Middle Easterners in there. There's 7000 people. It's a lot of people. Jim Carafano even said earlier that that his fear is that they're going to be people murdered, robbed, raped in this group. I mean, and that's Jim Carafano. Carafano's not a gunslinger by any stretch of the imagination. So he, you know, this is that's a lot of people who are going to wind up kind of stopped someplace and looking at each other because they're not getting in here. So that's going to be a problem eventually. And Whoopi Goldberg doesn't know who these people are. Oh, ha, says they're Middle Easterners. Well, Whoopi, have you done your census of this group, by the way? What, what, is your, uh, what does your census of the group tell you, Whoopi? She doesn't know. I'm reading CNN. That tell me. Yeah, okay, good. But you, you haven't done any kind of census about, uh, about who these people are. You don't know who they are. I mean, you know, we could we could say there's a bunch of Polish people in there. You wouldn't know. And and you know what? Neither does President Trump, really, except unless he's d- done some intelligence, whatever. But you, who knows who's in there? <laughs> Ridiculous. 
Uh, I, is this straight up fear mongering? I mean, when did when did he start putting the Middle Easterners in? I are, they thought he was just, are they walking here? Well, I, mean, I, I don't know. You know what? He makes up everything. He'll tell you Osama bin Laden is marching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty funny. He should say that. Osama bin Laden is in that group. His bones. He lies about everything. Because I mean, look- they don't know who's in this group at all. So, yeah, it'd be funny if President Trump ought to say it's all, to say Osama bin Laden's children are all in the group because nobody knows. And, and then maybe that would challenge somebody to maybe go and look into who the hell's in the group. But so far, according to the uh, unicorn riders in, on The View, this is all just one big magical mystery tour. This is one big love train. The images, and I was watching a report on Good Morning America this morning, and uh, it's heartbreaking. Matt Gutman did this piece, and there was a young girl that collapsed in his arms from heat exhaustion. So I always approach this from uh, humanity first, mm-hmm. as, as just a human being, and that's how immigrant. Everyone in this room is an immigrant. Mm-hmm. Yes, that we're all right. Okay. Um, listen, Abby Huntsman is a nice person. I get her point about how we need to have sympathy for some of the people in this group, because you know, among the seven thousand. There are some people with truly legitimate, honorable, meaningful goals to get to the United States. There's got to be. Much like there's got to be somebody from the cartel in there, as Jimmy Carafano pointed out. Uh, there's got to be somebody in there who, who really does have legit desires to be an American and legit desires to, to be part of this country and legit desires to leave their violent world. By the way, though, let's pretend, uh, before I get on more with this, with Whoopi and Abby and the rest of the gang, let's pretend that the residents uh, up in, uh, let's see, where where should I, what, what should I pick? Um, Fairgrounds Park or... Um, O'Fallon Park. Let's pretend that uh, a bunch of people from North St. Louis, uh, where let's, let's let's pick the area. I don't know what district it would be. Let's let's pick the the area with the with the worst death rate, murder rate in North St. Louis, and if they all were marching from that area because it's so violent and they all decided to march along highway 40 or any other road to Clayton and maybe knocked on Stacy Newman's door and said, let us in. How much do you think Stacy Newman, that left wing loon, how much do you, how much do you think she would be opening her door to the North St. Louisans? Or anybody else for that matter. If these people said, you know what? We don't want to live here anymore. We want to live there. Set us up. Because that's what's happening here where you've got a bunch of people who are marching up from these uh, these horrible areas. And these people are like, oh, yeah, let's have them all in. Let's set them up. Hell, Casey wanted to set them up with schools. I'm like, dude, you won't even set – we won't even set our own citizens up with schools. Try going up there and finding a school that's open. So, you know, let's pretend they all kind of caravaned 
to uh, to Ledoux and see how 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 far they would get and how much sympathy somebody would have. Because I guarantee you, Whoopi and Abby and these guys, as much as they're you know uh, sympathizing with these people, they'd never have one of them live with them, not in a million years. Hey, uh, people are getting shot in Honduras. We want to we want to live in your house. It's like, um, no, that's not going to happen. We're you know, and again, go to Red Avenue, one of the most violent streets in the in the in St. Louis. Somebody leaves Red Avenue and knocks on your door. Yes, hi, Representative Newman. Can I live in your home? It's like, uh, no. But but I'll I'll ban guns for you. Maybe that'll help you. But go back to your neighborhood. It, but but that's but, but that's the same thing that's happening here. Or let's let's pretend that the entirety of Southside Chicago um, decided to go to the suburbs of uh, of Chicago and sit there in a parking lot outside of uh, Macy's or something and demanded to be set up with 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 new digs. How far do you think they'd get? But for whatever reason, this is different. I mean, we will we'll, we'll crap all over and ignore our citizens. We'll we'll come up with um, we'll come up with millions and millions of millions of dollars for soccer stadiums and football stadiums. Hell, we'll build the dome so high that it'll cast a shadow on the homes of uh, poor St. Louisans who don't have a pot to piss in. And we'll come up, oh, they, yeah, liberal uh, the Democrats running the city of St. Louis, they'll come up with, with, with all kinds of funds to build a stadium. But they won't help any of those people. And, and yet, uh, and, and we'll bend over backwards for 7,000 people who come out of nowhere. But, but wouldn't, if, 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 if the shoe was on the other foot and our own citizens made some kind of migration from here to there across the state or something, we wouldn't have anything to do with them. So pardon me if I'm not a whole lot buying into this idea of, I guess as, as long as you're foreign and you speak a separate language, then you're a golden boy, according to the left. But heaven forbid you're black. Then then you're just a nuisance or you need to be registered to vote so you can vote Democrat. Oh, a nation of laws. And so there's a balance We are of also votes. a nation of laws and borders, which is part of my problem with the way some of this is being spun. We all, mm-hmm. this is a an, an, an nation of immigrants, obviously. Yes. Through proper legal channels. My problem right now going forward is I spent a lot of time in town halls across this country. And let me tell you, even going- That's Megan McCain, by the way, and, and making a whole hell of a lot of sense. 2008, there was this rumor on the internet of an international superhighway of immigrants that were going to come through America, up through uh, onto Canada. And that was something that literally my father had to say, that's not happening, it's not happening. And so when you see these images, this is a conservative fever dream and a gift to the midterm elections because mm-hmm. this is exactly what conservatives think people on the left want to have happen into this country. Okay. I'm not saying So Megan McCain's pointing out really almost the same thing that, uh, that Marcasia was pointing out is that uh, th- there might be this idea that this caravan of 7,000 people is basically just uh, casting a bright light and a beacon of light on racist America and racist Donald Trump and xenophobic Donald Trump. 
But Megan McCain is pointing out it's actually the the uh, the doing the exact opposite. Refugees. Right. I'm not saying not accept legal immigration. What what a lot of people on the left are saying, no one on this table, is that you want open borders and no consequences All whatsoever. Okay, you know what I, I do wish? I wish that the then. Uh, it's funny how the audience. I guess they're afraid that Whoopi and Joy Behar are going to uh, unleash their darts on them or something. But the audience didn't even bother to applaud in any way, shape, or form Megan McCain's very practical missive there about us being a nation of laws and legal immigration. It doesn't you, – you, there's not one person in that audience who possibly could clap for, for a, a very – reasoned kind of argument that isn't even necessarily a right-wing argument. I'm sure there are Democrats who feel the same way she does about the need to have legal immigration and that kind of thing. But you, you, we can't muster one clap. I guess they're all afraid that that that, uh, <laughs> that Whoopi and Joy are going to be mean to them or something. I don't know. Here, listen to her again. There's not one clap. Conservatives think people on the left want to have happen into this country. Okay. I'm not saying not accepting refugees. Right. I'm not saying not accept legal immigration. What what a lot of people on the left are saying, no one on this table, is that you want open borders and no consequences Paul, whatsoever. You, okay, you know can what I, I do wish? I wish that... I mean, not one peep out of this audience. I, I don't understand. There's, there's not one person in an audience who's like, yeah. Uh, we're a nation of, I mean, you can't muster, I don't know. The, then the people on the right would tell the truth about what's really happening in immigration because the largest number of undocumented... Did you just accuse me of not telling the no, truth? No, no, I said people on the right. I'm I on the right. Well, you're on the right, but I'm not talking about you personally. <laughs> you're not on um, no, no, the, none of them are talking about each other at all. <laughs> They're just all... I mean, and, and that's, I mean, I guess they they need to stay, you know, civil, I guess, but... It's funny how every time they say something, I'm not talking about you guys. I'm talking about those people. <laughs> That's Sonny Hostin, by the way, who's a lunatic. If you're not, you know, because I'm, not, I, I'm more extreme on this issue than I think than I think people realize. But, I come from a border state, and I think when you hear stories like Kat, Catherine Steinley, who was shot and killed by an immigrant who was in a take a lot of lot, lot of guts, by the way, for Megan McCain to 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 stand up in this gaggle here because first of all the audience has zero sympathy it seems for her argument although i think they probably will after this one uh and and uh and and seem to be kind of in the bag for joy behar and and Whoopi goldberg who apparently they're, they're this is kind of like it's a little like watching um cinderella to a certain degree and and uh, whatever nice conservative person is on the view uh joy and Whoopi and whoever else it is always remind me of the uh of the of the mean stepsisters uh, uh in san francisco which is one of the the states where you can go if there are no uh, and, be, uh, and be protected uh, yes yeah, shot and killed sanctuary but city, let me thank but you. can i just say this when you look Americans at the stats here, 41% of yeah, why let Megan McCain finish her sentence, Sonny? I mean, why would you why would you do that? Let's just let's just let you go ahead and just jump all over her. You realize Megan McCain didn't finish her sentence there, just Documented so you know. immigrants are from Asia. From Asia. A large majority of, of illegal undocumented immigrants are from Sweden. They're from Canada. They are 
where did where did that come from? That they're they're from Sweden and they're from Canada. These are people you're talking about. People who overstay their visas. I'll that get to that in a second. It's always about brown and black people. First of all, oh my goodness, the the, the the audience is about to clap for this lunacy here. First of all, that's wrong about undocumented. The largest number of undocumented immigrants. I don't and and I don't know why you call them immigrants if they're undocumented. So uh, illegal aliens are. Uh, are Swedish and Asian? Uh, it's that's not true. And I wish people on the right pointed that image out. Of this. It's always about brown and black no, it's people, not. and no, that's it's not. not I have a the problem. truth. I didn't bring up. Oh my goodness! I, what is wrong with these people? It's not always about brown and black people. Uh, believe me, I'm about to tell you a story about how uh, it doesn't matter who you are if you're here illegally. Uh, and, and your and your visa runs out. They're gonna they're they're gonna come after you now. Which is which? Uh, believe me, uh, as I as I pointed out before on this show, half of the people who are here illegally came here as invitees of the U.S. Just so you know, I'll get to that in a second here. Is not you, no, Megan. Uh, just those people, those other people. It's like you know, <laughs> I, I can't, I can't believe anybody would be even that excited about anything. Uh, even if I haven't heard that kind of that kind of uh, loud hooting applause, even when Oprah was giving away cars. The politics of this, and this actually, this to Megan's point, this does help President Trump. This is what he campaigned on. He's been consistent. You know where he is on immigration. Democrats have got to figure out what their messaging is. I I don't know what their unifying message is on immigration right now. All I know is that these people are not coming to take your Social Security, your Medicare, and Medicaid. Mitch McConnell and the Republicans are the ones who are doing that. Oh, Lord. Oh, I mean, and it is, it's no wonder you all don't watch The View, correct? It's, it's no wonder. And that, that Mitch McConnell is the one who's going to be taking your Medicaid and your Social Security away. By the way, uh, can you all uh, get to a point where um, where you got to realize that when they talk about your uh, Social Security and your uh, uh, situation regarding uh, Social Security, you realize that uh, Social Security is a uh, – program that could be called an entitlement program uh, and mainly because uh, Social Security, even though you pay into it, uh, the return is three to one uh, from the government. So you pay in one, you get three back from the U.S. government. And so ultimately at some point when it comes to Social Security, we're going to have to figure out some kind of way to uh, – to 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 grandfather people out of it. We're going to have to ultimately end social security in some degree, but every time somebody talks about that, the uh left uh, acts as if they're going to come and just take your money away now. And so those of you who are in your 50s and your 60s, you're getting your social security 
no worries about that. So, so any talk about changing Social Security is not just stopping benefits. It's ultimately creating a situation where people can hang on to their own money. Social Security was never designed to be income. It's supplemental income and was always designed to be that way. It's a program uh, that is untenable at this point and needs to be reviewed at some point, people. You know what I'm saying? That's all I'm saying. When we come back, now maybe I told you about the whole visa program and this outsourcing program that uh, Obama even created, which is now also untenable. So we're going to fix that, President Trump is. Because there are some fixes that need to take place in things other than just simply the border. So I'm going to follow up on that after I tell you a little bit about Santino Cigars and Cocktails and how you need to get down there, ladies and gentlemen, and hang out with Mike and Shannon and the rest of the team. The beautiful environs of Santino Cigars and Cocktails right there off of uh, Vogel Road in Arnold. Beautiful place. And, by the way, it's a cigar place, but you know what? You don't wind up leaving there smelling like smoke because he's got an exhaust system that only uh, the fanciest of casinos have and everything else and so uh, he's invested in that that's a great place he's got all kinds of liquor out there for you doesn't matter what what you're looking for I guarantee you have some specialized whiskey you're looking for or gin or whatever it is he's got it and remember I told you about the and he was in here talking about the one and a half ounce pour, right? These guys usually charge you what, like uh, a pour is like uh, an ounce of liquor, right? And they're charging you nine bucks for it or whatever. At Santino Cigars and Cocktails, Jennifer, for instance, will pour you an ounce and a half for the same price. So you're drinking more cheaply and you're drinking excellent liquor. Great. You guys like some candle box, do you? I know you like this. I know you're jamming to this. Facebook better not pull me up. They don't want candle box is. Candle box? Who are they? I don't know. Who are they? Oh, they'll probably pull me off now. I gotta be careful. I'm too bold. I'm I'm standing too close to the fire. Flying too close to the sun. Got to be careful with my music here. All right, so I told you a while back about the uh, the visa programs that are out there. A- and there are visa programs out there right now that we're using to, to bring in, for instance, tech jobs and those kinds of things. And basically what you have is... Uh, is a bunch of people who uh, have come into this country as invitees of the U.S. government, the U.S. government doing the bidding of these companies that want cheap labor. 
And previously, of course, you've been uh, you've been told, oh no, but these are better educated than the American worker, and these are people from India who are better educated, and well, uh, they're not. It's 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 not true that they're better educated. In fact, some of them are less educated than the regular American worker in the uh, professional tech world. And you're wondering, well, why why is uh why 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 is my son or daughter they just got their degree from Rala in engineering and they can't find a job? Well, it's because the government. Decided they were going to compete against you. Republicans and Democrats are partners. I know this is an Obama program they're talking about, but here, but, but, uh, but Republicans were complicit in it. But yeah, because they they've uh, they're they're competing against you. They've directly imported these jobs to compete against uh, its own citizens. It's cr- it's crazy. But that's what's happening. That's that's why. Like wow, all these kids are graduating in the, with with tech jobs. Well, that's because we're not a tech uh, co- country anymore. Yeah, we are. Because I'm I, because uh, my neighbor just trained a guy from India who ultimately is going to take his job. Oh, I've I've this is a story even that going going way back. I knew a guy who worked at uh, one of the phone companies, or I think it was AT and T or something like that. Worked there. And eventually, suddenly, it's like these people from India are all over the joint. It's like, oh, hi. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, uh, Bill, you're, uh, you're training Haji here to, to work on this thing, and it's going to be great. It's like, wait a minute, that's my job. Oh, yeah, I know. And then, that, and then ultimately, they, they run the Americans out, and the jobs are taken over by, um, by people from foreign countries, usually uh, – usually, India or China, and actually, you're you're thinking you're thinking. And it, it, now you know why so many of them are here. It's it's not because they're somehow uh, brilliant intellects or high IQs. Oh no, these people come over here. They're the cream of the crop. They're so well educated. We can't find educated Americans. Like, yeah, you can, and you know you can. So anyway, President Trump. And his people, they've announced they're going to cancel work permits. And this is a great move, by the way. Awarded to 100,000 foreign visitors under this outsourcing program created by President Obama. There's going to be an announcement in November uh, of this cancellation. And so U.S. professionals, young and old, who lose opportunities, jobs, salaries, and, and a lot of that is also losing salaries, to these visa workers imported by companies and investors. This has been going on for a long time, people. There are, there are temp agencies, so to speak, who actually get boxfuls of H-1B visas and L-1 visas, and they basically just simply work for companies uh, as agencies, and they set up shop in India or China or set up shop in New York and they have conduits in India and China and just simply import these people. They go and, and bundle them in other countries and bring them over here. And, and this, this, is your, this is your government purposely – creating competition for your job. 
or, or, the, or the job of your son or daughter. Many U.S. graduates have already lost jobs and salaries because the federal government allows U.S. companies to outsource their jobs to low-wage workforces and roughly 1.5 million imported college graduates. The foreign workers, nearly all of whom are Indian or Chinese, get their work permits via visa programs like the H-1B and the L-1 visa program. Uh, And what happened is President Obama uh, created this program, H-4EAD work permit, or some rule, and there was never any studies or research performed to see how this rule would affect the American worker. Uh, there's a there's a outfit called Protect U.S. Workers. It's an advocacy ag- advocacy group, and and uh, this woman Dawn Casey said, you know, most Americans had no idea Obama had given work permits to the spouses and children of foreigners on H one B visas. So what would happen is they'd have the H-1B visas. And by the way, the cancellation of the H-1B visa program is on its way too. You realize half of the people who are here illegally uh, are people who have overstayed visas that that were given to them by the U.S. government. Half. I'm not talking about 2%, 3%. Half of the people who are here illegally, listen to me, people. What are you doing? Don't, no, don't look over there. Don't look at that person in the other lane. No, 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 no. Listen to me. Half the people here illegally are here because they overstayed visas that were given to them by your government. Half. And, and, and as part of that whole H-1B visa boondoggle, Obama added another layer there. So I know what we'll do. We'll give work permits to the spouses and children of people on H-1B visas. It's like, why are you doing that? Because it's a good thing. Now vote Democrat. The work permits, 100,000 spouses of H-1B foreigners was done by executive order. My pen and the phone. I got a pen and a phone. Yeah. The, uh, oh, yeah. So uh, isn't it President Trump who's the one who's called the dictator, right? And, and yet when Obozo bragged about, uh, about how he would use his pen and the phone, people lauded him like he was some kind of American hero. Yeah, pen and the phone. That's awesome. Nobody else could possibly have, have thought of that. President Trump, uh, President Obama is is amazing. Obama! He's incredible. Oh, come on! I mean, yeah. I use my pen and the phone. Forget about Congress. It's like, that's brilliant. You are just, that's, uh, no other president has ever thought of that. What an amazing guy. We're so glad that we have our first black president who has now declared he's just going to use his pen and the phone. No wonder no white guy would possibly do that. Obama! Yeah, so that's what we got. I'll just use the pen and the phone, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to sign an executive order. So 
he did this without anybody really knowing it. And in 2016, something kind of changed. Because uh, there were Americans having a very hard time after they were laid off, uh, for instance, finding another job. There, 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 were, there were reports of Americans training their foreign H-1B replacements. And this is in 2016. Hell, I was hearing about that in 2013. And, and, and there were people who were like, wait a minute. Why am I training this guy from India? And then sooner or later, it was like, uh, Bill, come in the office, please. Uh, thank you for your service. You're no longer needed. And it's like, okay, uh, Who's taking my place? Oh, Haji Gajajuki is going to take your place. He's good. good. He's well-educated. He's a college, you know. I'm like, okay, great, perfect. They should have prompted um, another executive order uh, to keep Americans from training their foreign replacements. But instead, what happened is Obozo decided he was going to reward the spouses of the foreigners. So not only were they were were we importing people from India and China to take the place of American workers, and by the way, you realize the H one B visa program has a requirement in it that is never followed by these companies. But when they came up with the H one B visa program, and by the way, this is this is your Republican and Democrat party, both conspiring over the decades to bend you over, bend the American worker over just because they wanted to please their corporate masters, their contributors, their multinational corporations. They, 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 they were that their masters were not you. And when president Trump came in and he was campaigning, he told Americans exactly who he was here representing and it was the American worker. But the Republican and Democrat, who else would have come up with the H-1B visa program if it wasn't some conspiracy to simply hire a bunch of low-paid people from foreign countries? That's what, that's what really what this was all about. That's what they did. And we're all told that the people from India were brilliant and smart and these Americans, man, they can't, they can't even take a math class very well. They're not, they're not capable. You see, now you, you be quiet because we're getting the best and brightest from India and China. They've, their schools over there are amazing, and they've done some great work over there. And maybe you'll learn, America, to, to go back to class and maybe figure things out a little bit. You're like, wait a minute, though. Um, I just graduated from Rolla with an engineering degree. Oh, yeah, but Haji is so much smarter than you because they, they learned at a very early age about you know robotics. I mean, I know about robotics. I just took an entire my entire life and my college was spent doing that. Yeah, but yeah, and the yeah, but is yeah, but we can't hire you as cheaply as we can hire Haji. So. Boom, that's how it all works. So the H-1B visa program, and companies have never been required, although they are by law, but they've never been asked to. They have to prove that they can't hire American workers. You know that? 
Did you know that the H-1B program mandates that a company, before it hires foreign workers, must prove that it cannot hire American ones? And yet, these companies have never been required to do that. They've never been required to show proof that they can't hire American workers. It's just been accepted that they are going to go ahead and have these people. The H-1B visa program is a generation of Republican and Democrats. These parties, this is what happens when you get bipartisanship, people. This is what happens when you get the two parties together. Nothing good comes out of it for you. And I've used the analogy before, and many people have before. It's kind of like when when you are uh, (laughs) in a court case. And, and the worst possible outcome is you leaving the courthouse and seeing your lawyer going out for drinks with the opposing party's lawyer. But that's kind of what happens in D.C. all the time, at least until President Trump arrived. That's what's happening all the time. Backslapping. Oh, hell yeah. We'll do anything for you. You know, it's kind of like it's, it happens all the time, for instance, in uh, – in, uh, personal injury or product liability suits, you know. There, there, are, there are lawyers who do defense work and plaintiff's work who go on vacations together after, after completing a case. I'm not saying that's a horrible thing. I'm just saying that ha- that happens. I know for a fact that happens. And, they've been, and, they, and they just got through fighting each other in court. Well, supposedly fighting each other in court. They just got through cutting the deal in court and then they're off to uh they're off to the wineries together. I'm just saying that happens. So anyway, the H1B visa program uh is a creation of the Democrats and Republicans and designed to uh reward their corporate contribution masters and uh and it basically leaves you you know SOL the American worker. And what I'm saying is on top of that is Obama coming up with this new program that gave the spouses of the foreigners visas too. Oh, come on. Yeah. Oh yeah. Obama. That's right. He did. It's called the H four EAD program because it provides employment authorization documents to people who get H-4 visas, which are allocated to the spouses of H-1B visa workers who have won initial approval to become immigrants. So what's been happening, President Obama just by executive order added this extra layer so that when Haji gets a job over here, Hajina can come with him. And, And so now... The folks in the Department of Homeland Security, which kind of oversees all this, um, say we're going to we're going to prioritize the American worker first, and make sure we have a merit based system that protects the American worker. We want an American immigration system that puts America first. And for a long time now, that has not happened. That's according to one of President Trump's assistants there in DHS. Uh, so. 
Federal rules for drafting regulations require officials to provide advance notice of the regulations to invite public comments and to sketch out the costs and benefits. So uh, they went ahead and did that. And, and, and the announcement of cancellation of this uh, Obama program, it, 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 uh, it clashes with the Trump's higher American policy. It's because that H four EAD program, the one that gives the spouses, I I think they ought to cancel this H one B, or at least minimize, not maybe cancel it, but at least uh, minimize the the number of people allowed in here. But they're dropping this other program, this Obama program, because because it's like okay, it's the higher American policy is not being followed here. So what, what's happening is now they've anticipated it because they did a whole analysis on this thing. Uh, the cost savings accruing to foregone future filings by certain H-4 dependent spouses and labor turnover costs that employers of H-4 workers could incur when their employers' EADs are terminated. Some U.S. workers would benefit from this proposed rule by having a better chance at obtaining jobs. That some of the population of the H-4 workers currently hold. Can you imagine how just uh, awful this is? And, and it was all done under the cloak of darkness by President Obama and his pen and his phone. Can you imagine the insult on top of the already other insult, the H-1B visa program, inviting these people in and then adding their spouse to the list. So not only is one American job uh, replaced by a foreign worker, two of them are. So can you imagine? So that's what's that's what's happening is they're coming over here. Um, uh, the 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 guy from India, and then his wife comes along with him, and she's given a job too, automatically. Of course, there are employers who are uh, who are protesting uh, the program's end, uh, saying it'll disadvantage their visa workers and hinder their access to labor. They can't prove that. There's a there's a uh, FWDUS Forward US, which a, which a group of wealthy invest, investors. Uh, is uh, is uh, is it protesting the whole thing? Uh, they 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 want cheaper white collar workers, and uh, they they're afraid now they're not going to get them. The H four rule is common sense. They say it lets the spouses of highly skilled immigrants work once they have begun their wait for legal permanent residence. Now, uh, there's no proof that these immigrants are any more highly skilled than Americans are. No proof at all. And in fact, all they have to do is call them highly skilled and they don't have to provide any proof at all. And keep in mind, the measure by which H-1B visas are given is not measured by skill. It's measured by whether or not you can't hire an American. So they could talk about how more highly skilled these people are all day long, but that's not the standard. The standard is whether or not they are uh, they are American or not. 
and, and, and you have to be able to prove you can't hire Americans. These companies have never had to do that. Foreign visa workers are usually willing to accept very low wages for middle-class jobs in the U.S. because the pay and working conditions are better than they can get in their home country. That's just, I mean, you could pay them half of what you're paying an American worker and it's double what they're going to be paid in their home country. And what they do is uh, some of these visa workers work really cheaply and get these uh, deferred compensation bonuses of uh, government gifted citizenship for themselves, their families, their relatives, and all their descendants. So really what they're doing is, is they're coming here working for dirt cheap with the reward being citizenship in the end because they're just waiting to become citizens. Some of them are, at least. And... Uh, this was created in 2015, by the way, this, this, this spousal thing. Uh, keep in mind that uh, th- there, there are some people in the swamp to, currently at DHS who aren't talking a lot about this program because uh, they're afraid that there are people who uh, – Judges who might look at this Obama law, and there's a possibility he violated migration laws when he created this program. So they're trying to keep the beak. There are people still in the swamp, even though President Trump wants this thing canceled. They're not talking a lot about it because they used to work for Obama. Some of them still there. And listen to this. Under uh, G.W. Bush and Obama... Uh, the people there say, you know, well, it does allow the president to offer work permits to any number of people. Uh, Bush did the same thing, used use that same claim that to, to provide work permits for a few hundred thousand foreign workers, which came through this optical, optional practical training program. That's something that Obama uh, continued. The bottom line here, folks, is President Trump, again, is, uh, is, is, is coming in and wiping away the diabolical, underhanded, and undercutting policies of not only Obama, but also G.W. Bush. And believe me, you can talk all you want about uh, G.W. and what a good guy he was. I voted for him. But uh, the fact of the matter is uh, these guys, Republican Party and Democrats, one of the reasons why we have even the immigration problem we have, period. I'm talking about just the illegal immigration problem is because uh, these guys look the other way. They, they, they look the other way because they knew it was benefiting their, their, uh, their masters, their, their campaign contributions. And you know what? Uh, that's exactly what uh, we have here is, is we have both parties undercutting you. <laughs> By the way, I just saw this thing from uh, – I can't, I can't, I, I can't wait um, to, uh, to, to see Doug 
Giles when he gets back here on the show. I think it's going to be Friday, I guess. And uh, and and he has this uh, the 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 uh, night before Christmas. Now, did you see the President Trump dressed as Santa Claus? Here, let me see if I can download this for you. This is great. Hang on. Hang on. He's smoking a cigar. Hey, boys and girls, Doug Giles here. He just he just blew the blew the cigar smoke right into the camera. You take it away, Doug. Christmas time. Yep, right around the corner. And uh, this Christmas, a little bit more cheery for <laughs> those who uh, what love America and a strong economy and a secure nation. Yeah, Trump's done it. And it's in uh, that spirit that I've rewritten a classic Christmas poem, "Twas the Night Before Christmas." The tr- and, and by the way, he's got the. I don't know whether you've seen the painting yet, but if you could go to uh, Doug Giles's art page, just go to ClashDaily.com and see it. And then it, it's a picture of uh, President Trump dressed as Santa Claus, and he's got his bag in the back, and he's coming to your crib. Version. You all ready for this? Okay, here we go, man. Twas the night before Christmas. When all through the house, every patriot was happy that old Hillary got trounced. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care in hopes that St. Donald Trump soon would be there. The children were nestled all snug in their beds while visions of a socialist free nation danced in their heads. (laughs) (laughs) And mama in her mini skirt and old dad with the strap had just settled down for a long winter's nap. When out of the lawn there rose such a clatter, I reluctantly sprang from the bed to see what was the matter. And away to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters, knocked over my stash. The moon on the breast of the new-fallen snow gave luster of midday to the objects below. When what to my wondering... It's really not too early for Christmas, by the way. I know you're thinking, well, wait a minute, what what am I here to... It's not too early. He actually has this painting, the prints are available for you. You can get it at ClashDaily.com. I should appear a bulletproof sleigh <laughs> and eight MAGA reindeer. With a bold, epic driver so lively and quick, I knew in a moment it sure as hell wasn't frickin' Jeb Bush. <laughs> <laughs> this is my first time hearing part of that, so... Uh... That's pretty funny. Let's go back and hear Proof that again. Slay the yeah. window. I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters, knocked over my stash. The moon on the breast of the new fallen snow gave luster of midday to the objects below. When what to my wondering eye should appear a bulletproof sleigh and eight MAGA reindeer with a bold epic driver so lively and quick. I knew in a moment. It sure as hell wasn't frickin' Jeb Bush. <laughs> so, so the bottom line is you don't need to have the uh, – you don't need to rhyme when you got this going for you. I'm going to play it one more time, people. Driver so lively and quick, I knew in a moment it sure as hell wasn't frickin' Jeb Bush. <laughs> more rapid than eagles, his coursers, they came, and he whistled and he shouted and he called them by name. Now pants! Now Conway, now Bolton and Kelly, on Munchen, on Mattis, on Nielsen and Perry. <laughs> to the top of the porch, to the top of the wall. Did I say wall? Now dash away, dash away, dash away all. 
As dry leaves that before the wild hurricanes fly when they meet with an obstacle and mount to the sky, so up to the housetop the coursers they flew with a sleigh full of frickin' jobs and sang Donald Trump, too. And then in a twinkling I heard on the roof the prancing and the pawing of each MAGA hoof. As I drew in my hand and was turning around, down the chimney St. Donald Trump came with a bound. He was dressed in Briani, yeah, from head to his toe, and his clothes were on point. Or from, <laughs> he was dressed in Briani from his head to his foot, and his clothes were on point, and his humor was a hoot. A bundle of toys he had flung on his back, and he looked like a leader, just opening that pack. His eyes, how they twinkled, his dimples, how merry. His cheeks were like roses, but Melania is clearly the cherry. His acerbic sharp mouth was drawn like a bow, <laughs> ready to chew up dick, <laughs> ready to chew up dipsticks like on CNN's little shows. The smell of success he held tight in his grasp, and the snowflakes who opposed him, he easily kicked their ass. He had a broad face and a little beer belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. He was happy and he was stoked. And he was a right jolly fella. And uh, I was glad when I saw him because he was no Obama. A wink with his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word but went straight to his work and filled all the stockings and then bitch slapped a jerk. <laughs> and laying his finger aside of his nose and giving a nod up the chimney, he rose. He sprang to his sleigh, to his team, he gave a whistle, and away they all flew like a badass cruise missile. <laughs> but I heard him exclaim ere he flew out of sight, Merry Christmas, you deplorables, and to all, a good night. Hey, this is Doug Giles, DougGiles.art. Boom, you can get the Santa Trump painting over there. That's DougGiles.art. Beautiful Jaclay versions. Uh, 24 by 30 inches. We've got them stretched, unstretched. We've got luster paper versions. Got a variety of sizes to meet varieties of budget. MAGA Christmas, you deplorables. You deserve it. Peace out. Again, DougGiles.art. Good job, buddy. I love it. And that, that was really funny. And so I'm going to have him on on Friday. We'll talk more about that. But uh, uh, Doug is rocking it. His art is just great. It's like you know, I, I what do they call him? I said I said you were like the, uh, um, the Norman Rockwell of conservatism. At least at first I said uh, your stuff. It's like Andy Warhol. And I was thinking, and yeah, Doug Giles has very little in common with Andy Warhol. If you ever uh, looked at him. Um, and so uh, the uh, I called him more of a Norman Rockwell. Um, yeah, James Woods, uh, you know the actor. He came up, by the way, before we say goodbye here. He came up with a map and a calculator, and he noticed something really odd. This is on Clash Daily uh, that the news networks completely missed. Like they're traveling on foot. I mean, that's that's kind of what. We see, we, 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 we apparently, um, you know, if they're traveling on foot, you'd expect people to 
lag behind and do whatever. Uh, children, pregnant women are all there. So this is what this is what uh, he calculated. He goes, so consider this. It is over 2,000 miles from Tegucigalpa, Honduras to Phoenix, Arizona. Hard to believe a bunch of people just randomly decided to pack a lunch and walked uh, walked 2,000 miles to anywhere. Where is this mob sleeping, using bathrooms, procuring food and water? I mean, nobody knows who the hell uh, these people are. So he 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 gave the um, he did the calculation. He says this spontaneous mob would have to walk twenty miles a day for a hundred consecutive days without rest to get to the U.S. That's three months. And, and and he says, I guarantee you, they're going to miraculously appear at the border right around the midterms, which is what I said earlier. But I didn't do the calculations that James Woods did. So so he's saying it's an impossibility that these people aren't getting some kind of some kind of help or some kind of uh, deal here. Because because it's it's almost mathematically impossible for them to go two thousand miles from Honduras to get to the border uh, without some kind of assistance because it would take them a, it would take them a hundred days. Just saying. Anyway, check it out. RadioFreeAlman.com. I appreciate everybody who supports the show. All my advertisers, including the Discovery Design. Truck Care and Manufacturing Group. Yes, indeed. The Pogue family. DDTruckUSA.com. Check it out. Thank you to Santino Cigars and Cocktails. Beautiful Arnold. Thank you to Matthew Mitchell, 855. Quote me, the Matthew Mitchell Allstate Agency. Thank you to Michael Proctor. Proctor Drapery. Proctor spelled like doctor. ProctorDrapery.com, people. Thank you to Naputi Wellness, NaputiWellness.com. Nutrition HQ, NHQ.rocks. Thank you to Golden Oak Lending. GoldenOakLending.com, 314-567-GOLD is where you can find all of those folks. Rick and Tracy Ellis, TracyEllis.com, thank you as well. Appreciate all of you supporting Radio Free Almond, spread the word, people. It's a valuable commodity. You attach your name to Radio Free Almond, you're on your way. Have a good rest of your day, everybody.